0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to Clear and Convincing, the show that looks at criminal cases from the perspective of the courts, not the court of public opinion. We're Lisa O'Brien, podcasting from New Orleans, Louisiana, and Michael Carnahan from Little Rock, Arkansas. Thank you for joining us for episode 47 of Clear and Convincing. On Sunday, January 26, a helicopter carrying nine people, including basketball legend Kobe Bryant, Crashed into a hillside in Calabasas, California. Joining us tonight are Elena Smith from Fort Myers, Florida, and Cody Downs from Cardenway, Arkansas. Ms. Smith is a commercial helicopter pilot and helicopter flight instructor who has 5,000 flight hours and no accidents, incidents, or violations. And Mr. Downs is Michael's co host on ASWF Aftermath. We'll talk to Ms. Smith about the terrain, weather conditions that morning, and what we know about the crash pending, the official investigation by the NTSB and FAA. We'll also talk uh, about the victims uh, and talk to Mr. Downs about the careers and accomplishments of both Kobe Bryant and John Altabelli, who was a baseball coach in Orange County. We have a lot of material and information to cover, but if time permits, we'll take calls later in the show. And good evening, Michael. Hobie, good evening. Good evening, Carolina. how are you? Good evening, good, good,
2: good evening. Thank you. Well, Lisa definitely uh I mean I you know, I don't know whether I was talking to you or somebody this week, but uh, somebody said, you know, this is one of those seminal moments where you're always going to remember where you were, and it's one of those weird things where I actually remember what time it was when I found out about Mm -hmm. Kobe, and I Mm -hmm. found out, you know, when details were a little sketchy. Uh, I found out when... um, I found out where uh, about one fifty in the afternoon, Sunday afternoon. Uh, Yeah. And, and, I mean, at first, literally, Brad Hicks was the first one to tell me. And I said, I haven't heard anything. He said, eight minutes ago, my Fox 8 just reported it after TMZ did. And then it all started flooding in from there. And, I mean, I... Tell you, I didn't want to believe it because he was definitely one of my favorite, you know, basketball players. But more so, uh, and we'll get to it in a minute. You know, it's like Rachel Nichols said on the NBA, uh, the jump yesterday on ESPN. She said, "You can't tell the story of the NBA without Kobe Bryant, and the hell, you can't even tell the story of America." From 1996 to current day Mm -hmm. or without somebody, anybody having a Kobe Bryant story. So we'll get into those in just a moment, but I'll go ahead and let Cody uh, introduce himself, say hi, and, you know, give his thoughts on what he was doing when he heard the news.
1: Yeah.
3: Well, I mean, um, you know, my name's Cody Downs. And again, as Miss as lisa mentioned earlier i'm uh michael's co-host uh, michael's on the asw on the AS, um aftermath podcast and uh i mean uh it was weird because i was i was uh laying in bed with my wife we had slept in because we had did the wrestling show the night before and uh one of the first things i seen on my news feed was uh was a tmz article reporting that uh Kobe Bryant had died in a helicopter accident and I mean I'm like oh, TMZ is kind of you know it is and isn't trustworthy it's really 50-50 and I started seeing news reports and one of the first people I messaged uh, was my best friend to Michael Harris and I'm like have you heard about it and then uh, me and him both like talked about it and then me and Michael started messaging about it uh, because you know when I when I do watch basketball I love to follow you know, the Houston Rockets and the LA Lakers. And so it definitely mm-hmm. put me in shock and awe, just because I can think about being in third grade, trying to, you know, I was into collecting cards and I mean, I was on a mission to find a Kobe Bryant rookie card and it was rough. And when I found out how expensive it was, uh, my hope was gone. And I remember trading a Charizard Pokemon card for a Kobe Bryant card, uh, Oh. not knowing the value of either <laughs> so um, you know and plus i wanted to be cool because you know i mean some kids get make made fun of for collecting you know pokemon cards and stuff and and uh and basketball cards so i wanted to be cool and have a basketball card and kobe bryant <laughs> the only one i wanted next to michael jordan awesome
1: yeah. awesome so, um I Hello, did I'm I the... did want to mention one thing real quick, Michael, sorry. Um today is another a seminal moment anniversary. In nineteen eighty six the Challenger uh disaster occurred when the space shuttle challenger took off from Cape Canaveral, carrying the first teacher in space and broke apart. Shortly after uh taking off killing everybody on board, so it's kinda like it's kind of double sad for me because I remember yeah. that um yeah I was twenty two years old y'all were not even born but
0: um, sad, absolutely um,
2: absolutely um. I mean. One of those terrible, uh, you know, a a terrible week, I guess, period in aviation history. Uh, You know, this happened, then the Challenger, obviously, which, you know, I didn't even realize we were there until this morning when I looked on my Facebook feed. And I was like, damn, Mm -hmm. first Kobe and now this, you know, Mm
0: -hmm.
3: this is, Um, you
2: know, that was a crappy week.
3: And let's not forget. Like February first, seventeen years ago, another space shuttle, the Columbia, the
1: Columbia, uh, yeah, had it off on reentry.
3: Yeah, on reentry, had had basically just blown to smithereens. And mm-hmm. I remember that. And the only one of the only reasons I remember that is because you know that's my birthday, and I'm like, oh no, man. Uh, um. Uh, so I mean, every year on my birthday, I'm kind of like, man. Mm-hmm it's supposed to be a good day and all I can think about is going to like this church group uh, retreat and I walk in and they're watching the news and this, you know, right after the disaster. So I'm kind of like, so it's like definitely from September 26th or sorry, January 26th to February 1st, that's been, it's been like a week of tragedy and, and mm-hmm. disaster, in a sense, as Michael mentioned in the, uh, especially in the aviation world. Yes, right.
2: absolutely, absolutely. Well, Lisa, I know you said you had to step away pretty quickly, so I'll go ahead and give my uh, my Kobe Bryant speech first. Um, as far as when I think about Kobe, and you know, like I said. Uh, Like I said, everybody has that story, Uh, and I've been thinking about it all morning, and you know, right before we started the show, I actually went and watched on YouTube, because I didn't get to watch it last night, I couldn't bring myself to watch it, to be honest with you, I watched the last game he ever played, and uh, I mean, for an old guy on broken down legs, 61 points, Mm -hmm. I mean... Just an amazing, amazing night for an amazing man. You know, I've said it many a times. There was Kobe before 04 and after 04, and literally for a guy to come into the NBA, 17 years of age, and he literally grew up in front of our eyes and became an outstanding man, an outstanding husband, an outstanding father to Four beautiful daughters. Um, it, it, we definitely lost a good one. Cody, tell us your Kobe story.
3: I mean, I as I kind of mentioned it earlier, you know, I remember being in third grade and actually, you know, getting some access to the television because my family only had two TVs in the house, the one in the living room and the one in my parents' bedroom. And me being the youngest, I didn't really get to watch a lot of TV. And it wasn't until one of the uh, one of the guys my sister was dating, his name was Sean, and uh, you know, uh, he played basketball in school, and all he watched was basketball. And I remember seeing Kobe Bryant just with his agility and uh, you know that that fadeaway shot he always does, which uh, even even the youth of today now, you know, the whole Kobe so i mean to to see right. that and you know try to imitate that as a kid and then you know my whole uh basketball card story uh mm-hmm. it, i mean so i definitely was one of those like the before 2004 and then uh you know i watched them here and there after 2004 and tried to try to keep up with it as much as i can but i mean i you know 2004 i was only 13 years old and so mm-hmm. uh but i mean you know it's just it's hard to think about it because you think of a guy that that like through all the trials and tribulations that went on in his life he still pushed forward and uh you know he never let that he did let that change him but it changed him for his own betterment absolutely yeah absolutely
1: lisa so. You know, I think it's uh, in the last few years since his retirement, and he's done, you know, he's done the books, and he did the short film, the animated film, which he won the Oscar for. Um, But seeing him in interviews talking about his daughters, all of his daughters, with such love and pride. Um, I'm the daughter of a man who regretted not having a son. He loved us very, very much, but he thought we were limited into, in what we could do for his legacy. And Kobe Bryant was a man who knew both of his daughters could carry on his legacy as sports phenomena. Mm-hmm. Because they had the drive, they had the talent, and it didn't matter that they were female.
0: Well at least supportive
1: of women's sports too.
2: And Lisa, I, I don't is. know if, I don't know if uh you remember I told you this last night, but just to expand upon your point, uh, you know, I, I almost feared saying this over the air because I was afraid of the reaction it might get from our listening audience. But I do. I, I believe that it shows the love that Kobe Bryant had for Gigi. Uh just I think it said like a month or two ago Kobe actually had a nickname for Gigi he called her mm-hmm. Uh and mm-hmm. he actually went through the uh, process or started the process of trademark that name uh, because he knew what she would become in my opinion and it's just one of those moments like I watched an interview this morning with um uh, I believe it was Jalen Rose. And he said, you know, after 2016, when Kobe stepped away, you really didn't see Kobe at basketball games. But then all of a sudden, Gigi showed some interest and some love for the game that he loved. And it's like he Mm -hmm. fell in love with the game all over again. And, you know, I think the lasting image of Kobe won't be on the court. I think it'll be, you know, that image of him a month ago in Philadelphia I believe it was with his daughter as I don't know if you've seen this exact one but where she's leaning over to him asking him about a play and he starts breaking it down mm-hmm.
1: for her. that's just I just saw I mean that. that that broke my heart yeah yeah um and the, I sent you that quote uh earlier today uh just a few months ago on good morning america he was talking about his daughters
2: absolutely and a lot of people you know and, you mentioned you, know. you mentioned your uh your father didn't want or wanted a boy and you mm-hmm. know i listened to an interview he did with kimmel And he actually said that him and his wife disagreed about that. He said he only wanted daughters. And his wife would say, you know, don't say that. You're going to jinx it or something, you know, Uh because she wanted a son. So, I mean, it's just, it's a blessing and a curse. But that's not the only reason we're here. So I definitely, um, I definitely uh, don't want to. Uh, Take up too much time doing this until we get into that section, so I guess we can go ahead and go along with our outline here.
1: Okay. Uh, Now, I put together some information from various articles and various things. I didn't know any of these people, and most of them were very private individuals, but I've been able to gather some information about everybody, and I'm going to start – with Alyssa Altabelli, Alyssa was the youngest of three children born to John and Carrie Altabelli. She was a classmate at one time of Gianna Bryant at Harvard Day School in Orange County, California, and she was a teammate on the Lady Mamba's team at the Mamba Sports Academy, which had been founded by Kobe Bryant in 2018. Alyssa was a talented basketball player and a family of baseball fans who dreamed of playing for the University of Oregon. Alyssa was enrolled at Ensign Intermediate School, and she survived by her older brother, JJ, and older sister, Alexis. John Altabelli was the sixth of eight children born to professional baseball player Jim Altabelli. A talented baseball player and coach, John was devoted to his family. He attended Alyssa's basketball practices whenever he could and nurtured her love for basketball. His brother, Jim, described him as someone who just wanted to help others, which led to his friendship with the Bryant family. He's survived by his son, JJ, and daughter, Alexis. Carrie Altabelli had recently taken over a family business and, like her husband, supported her daughter, Alyssa's passion, for basketball. A neighbor recalled that soon after the family moved to the neighborhood in 2018, Carrie gifted them with a plant to make up for any possible annoyance caused by her barking dog, Freckles. She survived by son, JJ, and daughter, Alexis. Gianna Bryant was the second of four daughters born to Kobe Bean Bryant and Vanessa Bryant. Gianna was a talented basketball player and attended countless college and professional games with her father. As a sixth-grade student at Harvard Day School, Gianna was playing at a level two years ahead of her class. Known as Gigi to family, friends, and loved ones, she dreamed of playing for the University of Connecticut and then moving on to the WNBA. Her talent and playing style earned her the nickname Mabasita from her father. She survived by her mother, Vanessa, and sisters, Natalia, Bianca, and Capri. Kobe Bryant was the youngest and only son born to former NBA player Joe Bryant and Pamela Cox Bryant. His first name was inspired by the famous beef of Kobe, Japan. His middle name, Bean, was a play on his father's nickname, Jelly Bean. A native of Philadelphia, Kobe spent many years living in Italy when his father moved the family there to play basketball after his retirement from the NBA. When the family returned to the U.S., Kobe began his high school career at Lower Merion High School in Ardmore, Pennsylvania. Though his record and talent had drawn attention of scouts from Duke, Michigan, North Carolina, and Villanova, Kobe made the decision to go directly to the NBA. He became the first guard drafted out of high school by the L.A. Lakers, where he spent his entire career. As a father, Kobe described himself as a girl's dad and encouraged his two older daughters to pursue their dreams and nurture their athleticism. He supported women in sports and had no doubt about his daughter's ability to carry on his sports legacy. A lifelong Catholic, he and daughter Gigi attended Mass and received Communion on Sunday, January 26. He survived by his wife Vanessa and daughters Natalia, Bianca, and Capri. Peyton mm-hmm. Chester was a, st- a student at St. Margaret's Episcopal School in San Juan Capistrano and a teammate of Alyssa Altabelli and Gianna Bryant. She had a smile and personality that would light any room and a passion for the game of basketball. She found joy on any court and loved all of her teammates and coaches. Peyton was described as the gentlest person you would ever meet. When she was chosen to portray a snowman in a school Christmas play, Peyton embraced the role, dancing and laughing, which had the whole audience grinning and laughing with her. She survived by her father, Chris, and brothers Hayden and Riley. Sarah was someone who everyone could count on. She was devoted to her children and loved by the community and the St. Margaret's Episcopal School family. Sarah had been a standout soccer player at Lucerna High School in her youth. She survived by her mother, Kathy, brothers Andy, Chris, Andy and Chris George, husband Chris, and sons, Hayden and Riley. Christina was a talented basketball player at Edison High School, and chose to become a coach, starting as an assistant coach at Harvard Day School with husband Matt. Described as tough but fair and loving, Christina was chosen by Kobe Bryant as his assistant coach for the Lady Mambas. She was intelligent, funny, and technically adept. She survived by her husband Matt, daughters Penny and Ivy, and son Tom. Ares Avayan was Armenian, and was described by those who knew him as a good pilot who knew the rules and followed them. And unfortunately, there's just not a lot of information about our I wish I could have found a little bit more about him, right. but he was well-liked by all his fellow pilots and students. And I know I almost <sighs> lost it too, Michael.
2: Absolutely. I mean, my goodness, uh, <laughs> when you started talking about when you started, I, I, and I mean, the weird thing is, I thought I was gonna lose it at Kobe, but like you started talking about Gianna, and I, I oh my goodness, uh, mm-hmm. I know, I know we're, um, I know we're getting ready to bring on uh, Miss Elena, uh, yeah. Who, full disclosure, uh, I do know Miss Elena personally, so this is one of those situations where uh, having a uh, Having a relative that uh, is in the aircraft industry actually worked out for us, because she was more than willing to uh, she was more than willing to join us for this. Uh, one thing I did want to ask you, Lisa, I asked you in the uh, Facebook, but do you want to yes, bring I'll on Miss that. Smith right now, or do you want to go ahead and play the ATC and then bring on Elena?
1: Let's bring her in now, and and then okay. we'll play the ATC.
2: Okay, well, she should be live. Miss Elena, how are you doing this morning or this
1: evening?
4: <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good, thank you. And you?
2: That's good to hear. Hey, I'm doing pretty good, Lisa.
1: Hi, Miss Elena, I'm Lisa O'Brien. I'm Lisa. Michael co nice host from please. New Orleans. Nice Our to meet you. How things down in Orleans. It's the weather can't make up its mind. It was warm. Now it's cold. Now it's warm. It's just <laughs> January.
4: Uh, it sounds like here. We had 38 degrees the other day. Not, that was crazy. That's right. Just crazy.
1: I, I have to ask, yeah. did you have any iguanas fall out of trees?
4: Um, They did. I didn't see any, but I didn't go out of the house. Okay. I usually ride my bike uh, 20 miles a day, but... I was. I didn't go out of the house.
2: Right I <laughs> forgot. I forgot, Lisa, when you I, I messaged Lisa, when me that last night. that last night. I actually I had actually her send me an article, last, me an week article last week, last week, week, week about, about that, and I just completely forgot. I just completely forgot. It was yes. like uh,
4: they, 70, they were falling from these with a hundred percent possibility of falling in Falling <laughs> Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it's Florida. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's that, an unusual yeah, it's, place. It's, it's really, beautiful, really beautiful, but there's a lot of unusual things.
4: Yes. yes. And, of course, Florida, and man, of course, and Florida, Florida man and Florida Woman.
1: Correct. <laughs> so, well, absolutely. Um, Got to love, uh, gotta love uh, Florida
2: Man. That's Florida always a man. hilarious thing. That's always thing. a hilarious thing.
1: All right. Um, all right, Michael, do you want to uh do you want to go ahead and play the ATC or do we want to talk about these you know the helicopter and those things?
0: Uh yes, yes. Uh, we, can,
2: yes, um, yes. we can well, uh, actually let's ask well, Miss Smith, uh, Smith. Uh Which would you rather go uh, into, the helicopter go- or the ATC first?
4: Uh if you're asking me, it's uh it's either is fine. Um, the ATC recording, taking it through that uh, that I sent you initially, um, when I heard about this, and you were the person that told me about this. I didn't know about it until mm-hmm. so you you sent me a message, and I was thinking Kobe. The only Kobe I know is obviously Kobe Bryant, but I thought you might know a wrestler or something like that. So I immediately plowed through the you know into the news and i was like oh my god i just i was beside myself i couldn't believe it
2: oh absolutely i i think it's the exact same way but uh let's go ahead and get into the atc footage uh and then we'll come back uh we'll play the atc footage come back and we'll have a discussion on what exactly was going on at that point sound good to everybody
4: Sure. Yep. What's sure. for me. I've uh, I've got the same uh, ATC feed here. I just got to pull it up as you have.
2: Okay. Outstanding. Let me know when you're ready, and I will press play.
4: Uh, you can go ahead and press play. I'll I'll play catch up.
5: Okay.
6: 7-2 Echo X-ray, Burbank Tower, Burbank Altimeter 3019, Burbank Class Charlie, surface area, as I far as the intention. If we can uh,
5: maintain uh, special VFR
6: transition on the 101 Westbound 2. November 2, Echo X-ray, X-ray hold outside
5: Burbank Class Charlie airspace. I have an aircraft going around. 2 Echo X-ray, hold it. it's going like okay. to be a little bit. I got a citation on a Niner mile final and then that go
6: around that I just had. Is going to be turning uh, base to file in about t-
5: three minutes. Okay, we'll continue holding two Echo X-ray. November two Echo X-ray, and for your
6: planning purposes, you can expect to transition to the north side of the airport. I just spoke with Van Nuys on the line, and they've got multiple IFR departures coming off of runway six, so
5: you can expect to follow the five north and cross that way. Two Echo X-ray, open up. 317, pop up Burbank Tower.
6: You can expect a few minutes. I got a uh, special VFR helicopter. I need to get transitioning. He's been holding for about 15 minutes. Uh, northwest, follow the 5 freeway. Maintain special VFR, artic- special VFR condition at or below 2500. Maintain special VFR at or below 2500 I 5 northbound to Echo. Number 2, Echo X ray, Roger. And you're cleared through Burbank Clash Charlie surface area from the southeast to the northwest. Copy that, we'll maintain a special VFR copter two-echoes. X-ray, for your transition to Camarillo, did you just want to follow the 118?
5: 118, and then we'll look around Van Nuys to catch the 101
6: two-echoes. Right?
5: Number 2 echo x-ray, roger. Number
6: 2 echo x-ray, continue following the five northwestbound to join the 118, and then uh, Van Nuys will work you through. Radar service is terminated. Remain that squawk. Contact Van Nuys Helicopters, one one nine Two Echo X-ray, switch you to Van Nuys. Van Nuys Helicopter, two Echo X-ray with you for the special via transition. We are currently at 1,400.
4: Helicopter, seven, two Echo X-ray, Van Nuys Tower. Wind calm, visibility two and one-half. ceiling 1,100 overcast, Van Nuys 3,016. Cleared into Van Nuys Class Delta northeast of Van Nuys along the 118 freeway. Westbound, advise when you're in VFR conditions or when you're clear of the Van Nuys Class Delta. Transition at or below 2,500, committee. Two Echo X-ray, advise in VFR condition, uh, and then we stay on the uh, 118. Mm-hmm. So we're currently at 1,400, and we have 0,235.
1: Helicopter, two Echo X-ray, thank you. And once you clear Van Nuys Delta, did you want to talk
5: to SoCal? hey two Echo X-ray. Tower 4-2 to Echo X-ray, can we start, go ahead and start
6: turning to the uh, southwest, course to one, one
4: Helicopter 2 Echo X-ray approved, and are you transitioning in VFR condition?
6: VFR condition, 1,502 Echo X-ray.
4: Helicopter 2 Echo X-ray, thank you. Contact SoCal now, 134.2 for flight following 34-2.
5: 34-2. X-ray ident. Echo X-ray, yeah, you're uh, still on a 1200 code, uh, are you requesting flight following? Two Echo X-ray, what do you say intentions? Two Echo X-ray, you're uh, still too low level uh, for uh, flight following at this time. Two Echo X-ray, SoCal?
4: Hi. Um, yeah, I caught up on that, and I'm looking at, uh, if you're watching that video that showed them, it was accelerated and paused at various times, um,
0: mm-hmm.
4: kind of expanded and then compressed to, you know, for brevity, it took a 15-minute portion of flight and compressed it down into about four minutes. Um, right. I, that was the first, after you told me, I went and drilled down really quickly and, uh I was able to find that, and um, the first videos that I saw um, was of the, uh, I believe it was L.A. County Sheriff's uh, Fire and Rescue had a helicopter go in there, and I saw the scene, and the helicopter apparently flying uh, people in. It was not very high off the ground, and the visibility was um, not very good at all. Um, mm mm-hmm. It's that that area I'm familiar with. That pilot, the uh, of uh, um, era was uh, more experienced in the area because of, than me. I used to fly out of Van Nuys Airport, but he started his flying career um, oh about two years after I was flying um, news out there, traffic and weather, uh, traffic mm-hmm. and news. And he started in Van Nuys, if I recall correctly, in 97, might have been 98. He got his private, I believe, in 2001, might have been 2002. You know, I'm working from memory here, so I could be off one year either way. Um, And in his commercial, I'm pretty sure it was 2007. And from there, um, he was uh, flight instructing and, um, of course, as you know, from being around me, it's all about building time for most pilots. Absolutely. Um, what? Yeah, when we met, I I didn't care about hours. I had plenty of hours, but it was mm-hmm. for all my students. That's all they wanted to do. Um, the area is um, that you went along. Uh, it goes from the. Uh, they took off from John Wayne, which is a little um, slightly south and a little east, as I recall, of uh, Long Beach flew across uh, east of L.A., but they went across the extended uh, runway center line at a low altitude because L.A. weather was – it might have been VFR, I don't recall, but it was low VFR if it was. doesn't matter because all mm-hmm. those traffic going into there, even on a severe clear day, is IFR. Even if right. it's, you know, visibility for 100 miles, it's still IFR approaches – um, but they flew up to Burbank, and the reason they did that is it's relatively flat terrain around that side of the uh, the hill. Think of the Hollywood sign and the Griffith Observatory. Most people have uh-huh. seen the Hollywood sign and the hill that it's on. And uh-huh. um, the 405 goes up over to of the Pass, and that's a fairly high thing. The Getty Center is there. Um, but they went around the other side. There's no hill. It's relatively flat to Burbank. They couldn't get through they couldn't immediately go through Burbank's area without asking for special VFR. What that means is the weather at Burbank, they knew, was IFR conditions. Power will never offer you a special VFR. You have to request it, and they'll, they'll give it to you unless there's aircraft departing or landing. and there was both, you know, and they had to hold mm-hmm. outside of the Class C class Charlie airspace. And after, oh, I think it was 12 minutes or so, they hustled him across. He flew uh, north of, uh, as I recall, looking on the uh, um, radar plot that they had, uh, a little north of the airport, made a west turn towards Van Nuys, um, flew a little bit north of Van Nuys, and then flew to the southwest to go back down uh, to the 101 Ventura Freeway, which goes right out to as I understand they were heading to the um uh Black Mamba sports uh club area okay. and I think right. that in was Thousand Thou- Oaks. Thou- Yeah. Yeah in Thousand, Thousand Oaks. Oaks. And from the where they unfortunately were at the the last moments of the flight on a clear day, you could almost certainly see it and if you couldn't see it, you pretty much We're just out of sight of it. It was that close. Mm -hmm. So um, there's been, since we started talking about this, um, and I've been sending you quite a few links. I don't know if you've been able to pull them up, and some of them will look really bizarre, the maps especially. But the helicopter route chart, you can overlay that with a couple of the um, news sources, and you can Mm -hmm. see um, within approximately, I'm going to be really Pessimistic and call it three miles But I'd say it's honestly less than that There's a helipad um, At approximately 888 Feet above sea level um, The aircraft according To the information that I've Received today Was mm-hmm. uh, at 1000 some odd feet so About 200 feet lower They could have stopped there At the last point they could have just stopped And landed there Uh that's not me saying that's what they should have done, but uh-huh. there's, there's a lot of, um, in a situation like this, when we go through training, we do a lot of safety seminars, and we look at every flight, especially flights that have uh, conditions that are less than, you know, they're suboptimal. Um, you look at it as the links in a chain, and in this this accident, there was, a, there was links all the way along this where they could have said, no When he was holding He could have just said I'm going to land at Burbank I made it mm-hmm. to Van Nuys Van Nuys to Thousand Oaks In a car Is not very long um, And I'm not playing I don't want to play armchair athlete And say that This is what they should have done But those are options And he he, he knew these The pilot had experience Especially in that area You know A lot more hours than I did but just the experience that I have, I know the weather can be beautiful there. But when he was flying west, just before the um, in the final moments, immediately looking out the left side of the aircraft is rising terrain up to at least mm-hmm. 2,400 feet above sea level to uh, over 2,500 feet above sea level. Camarillo is down farther. Um, he could have done an instrument approach there, and then... Taking a car back so it's uh again it's six of one half a dozen of another but where mm-hmm. they were going there is no published instrument approach there's advantages and disadvantages of being able to do um this flight was legal? yes you are allowed to do this can atc stop you no they cannot stop you if you ask mm-hmm. the right questions they'll tell you where ifr and um on a Part 135 flight, somebody else owned that helicopter, like, you know, the, the helicopter I used to fly in EMS, that's Part right. 135, unscheduled air carrier. That means you get a call on the phone. You got weather? Yeah. Where are you going? Wherever. Okay, yeah, yeah let's go, or sorry, you know, can't go. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
4: And that that's that. But um, most of the places you remember um, where we used to be, out there uh-huh. to the south and to the east was very much like um, this area in uh, SoCal in yeah, San Fran- between the San Fernando Valley. It, you had pretty mm. big hills between the River Valley, mm. which is 500 feet above sea level, a little bit lower than San Fernando Valley, and then the area where my hospital heli base was, that was 1,300 feet above sea level. But in between was the large amounts of mountains and uh, the, the forest, uh, which depends on day or night. That's another thing. During the day, your minimums are lower than at night just because that's the way the regulations are. Um, helicopters have the option, uh, a luxury option that uh, airplanes don't. We can slow down if we need to. We can stop. We can. I mean, you wouldn't do it if you have to think about it you're probably doing something that you, that's a link in the chain. Let's break it. Let's land.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, those are things you can do. Uh, go rethink it. Uh, there's, there's nothing that's worth that flight. And saying no is something that a person has to be able to do. Whether or not um, he knows his capabilities, he has his personal minimums, he's no doubt flown this um, route, route before the helicopter pilot. Because I understand he was they call it a Kobe Bryant's private helicopter, but it was owned by um all records indicate island express helicopters uh, november seven mm. two echo x-ray I believe the tail number was but yeah. um he he was the normal pilot, so they might have had a lease back arrangement it could have been anything i don't know, and you know there's no real way to find that out right now, and I don't want to. Um, Disparity. You don't want that, you're right? That. Right. Yeah, right. I don't want to say, well, they should have done this. Um, there's things you could have done. There's things you, and that's about as far as I want to go. It's it's so easy right. to look at the talking heads on TV or news outlets, and they'll give you their. Um, you know, I'm an aviation much. expert, so you're you're a pilot. Yeah, I flew a Cessna one time. Mm-hmm. I was in a Cessna. Well, <laughs> it's kind of different. Um, you know, it's, it's a different thing. You've, I took you on your first helicopter ride. You remember Right.
2: right? Yes, um, absolutely. We
4: went and looked at the Christmas lights in the EMS helicopter. That was way cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
4: for example, when we looked at those heli- the Christmas lights, we were at 500 feet or less above ground over that city. I won't name Mm the city because I don't want (laughs) to – I don't represent the company I used to work for. Um, Right. But you remember that. Perfectly Mm -hmm. legal. It was very clear. Lots of options. Absolutely. But it's –
2: So the aircraft in question, Elena, the Sikorsky S-76, and specifically M-72EX, you sent myself and Lisa some information on that.
4: Why don't we uh, get into
2: that a little bit? Tell us a little bit first about the airframe, the Sikorsky.
4: Uh, Very, very good safety record. Uh, It started out as the uh, S-76A series, and then as a lot of things, they – Bigger, better, faster, stronger. I believe it went from A to A plus, and then A plus plus, which means they either increased the gross weight or power, both likely both. Then they went to the B. Uh, I'm not familiar. I don't have time in the Sikorsky. Um, mm-hmm. The closest analog that I have time in is an Augusta, which in, ex- in an executive configuration is uh, one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven seats in a luxury configuration. It can be more passenger dense if needed, but it's 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 really a luxury transportation device. Um, mm-hmm. A friend down here in Florida owned it and let me fly it. So, and right it was on. it's a it's a rocket ship compared to what you were in. It's mm-hmm. like um, getting on the Starship Enterprise, and the speeds are twice as fast. As what you were used mm -hmm. to in a little helicopter twice.
0: Right.
2: And that's one thing I wanted to ask you because Lisa pointed something out to me in our conversations this morning. She actually said, and I didn't even put two and two together looking at the picture of Kobe standing next to it. Are those jet engines on the side of the, uh, on the side of the copter?
4: On the Um, rotor? Depending which way you're looking at, they're they're turbine engines, they're turbine powered Mm -hmm. engines. Yeah. If you're looking at it from the front, the holes in the front are the air inlets for the compressors. And out the mm-hmm. back side, what you're going to be seeing is the exhaust burner exits. Um, mm-hmm. Various models they used, uh, I believe, I could be wrong about this, but I believe the original S76 used the same engine, an um, Allison uh, uh, 250 C30 uh, that was in that uh, Bell Long Ranger L3 that you flew in, it had two of those. And then a combining Mm -hmm. gearbox and a four-bladed rotor system, very fast. But, um, I mean, it's it's a different tool. It's a a high-speed tool. Children's Hospital, they used it. It's great for intercity transports. And they'd come up to where we lived, and they would – take patients that we couldn't fly because of weather. Why? Because they'd file IFR to Springdale and then just hustle the, what, one mile from the airport to the hospital, land, grab the patient, file IFR, go right through the clouds, land. They had an IFR approach down at Children's Hospital. And if I'm wrong about the approach at Children, they'd do an approach to Little Rock and then just follow the Mm -hmm. way back, which is easy quite easy. Done it so many times. So so many times.
0: Right. Right.
4: But uh it's, a, it's an extremely reliable helicopter. Very good reputation. Now something that I
1: read earlier uh this today, um someone said that the uh the instrumentation in the in the S seventy six kind of diminishes the the window view for the pilot, so they don't have as um, much of a window uh
4: that is maybe arguably true uh, to look but out it's such a sophisticated <laughs> aircraft it is it's like a jet airliner compared to a mm-hmm. um more basic airplane. um Let's go to the extremes of the um spectrum. We'll go to a old um uh piper cub. you got windows all around. If it's hot, you open up the windows and you put your arm out like a sports car. If you're flying uh-huh. in a 777, you don't see very much. And mm-hmm. you've got the instrument panel in front of you. It's a very complex aircraft. And that's Sikorsky, especially the newer models. Each year they've got more and more advanced. But for instrument flight, it doesn't – the helicopter that um, Michael flew in, that uh, Airve- uh, the uh, emergency helicopter that I used to fly, it had basic – instruments for ifr flight but it was not certified for ifr flight
0: it has to Mm -hmm. be
4: actually permitted to fly ifr there is a package that would let you do it and i'm an instrument rated pilot but that you have to have the pilot has to be current and then the aircraft has to be certified every periodically to make sure that the instrumentation is in check and Correct. When you go back to the pilot, currency is, does not equate to experience. If I just keep minimum currency, that's uh, three IFR approaches in 90 days. That's mm-hmm. no. Correct. And from the time I, I got been, my instrument rating, yeah. Oh, go ahead, please.
1: I, I'm sorry. I've been a passenger when two pilots were getting their rating and credit for IFR. hmm It's not fun, especially when they want to play.
4: Yeah, you can (laughs) um, you can do your um, approaches, your IFR approaches, with a um, a pilot. You know, they call it a safety pilot that's there, Uh and you can do it in VFR conditions. But they use what's called foggles. It's like glasses that you can't see out the windows, but you can only see the instruments. This
1: in the night.
4: This, this was in, was in the, the 80s and it was across.
1: a hood. It was a hood. Yeah,
4: yeah hood, same thing. It was at Salisbury hood Airport
1: in Maryland <laughs> and it was
4: uh Maryland. I used to fly out Maryland, of Maryland, uh, yes. Uh, Baltimore, yeah. I was dot uh, pilot at WBAL. Okay. So, I've found uh, uh, oh. and the weather there can be um sporty. Let's let's say.
0: <laughs> All right.
4: <laughs> now, what what can you tell us
1: um we talked a little bit about the route but um you know what can you tell us about the route and weather in that particular part of southern california
4: Well I've got the uh, helicopter route chart pulled up on my computer right now it's um I sent you the links for it, it I don't know mm-hmm. how quick your computer is and uh, a layperson can do this. The, you look for the – uh, zoom in a little bit, and then you just look at the airport identifiers and go from there and scroll around. The easiest way to do it is find Van Nuys, go a little bit um, – I'm looking at four finger width to the right of Van Nuys is Burbank, and there's a big circle around that, and that circle is you can't go in there unless you're cleared to go in. Class C airspace Correct. is pretty serious airspace. Um, Van Nuys is Class D. It's still serious, but there's not much happening on a really bad day there because it's it's mostly biz jets, and there's a few flight schools and uh, news helicopters. That's where, uh, when I was out there, that's where we took off and landed. I think it was three hours in the morning and uh, two hours in the afternoon unless there was something, and there's always something going on, so...
0: Mm-hmm. you're just
4: spending a lot of time flying Just a lot of time but uh the the weather conditions out there they vary so much and i went from i had a small amount of experience um uh just leading up to the uh, uh north ridge earthquake there i was out there with my uh, friend who actually flies s-76s uh, she's down in brazil and um we were out there for a uh, qualification school. We had to attend for flight instructors. And uh, we were out in Torrance, and we rented helicopters and flew all around the area. And it was really enjoyable. And while I was out there, there was places that on the shoreline, out over the ocean, it is hard fog. Over the land, it's okay. You can't fly out of, out over the water at all. Because mm-hmm. we're in a VFR helicopter, and that's just—it's not permitted. It's just, and it's stupid to do that. Single engine, and I mean, there's there's no reason to do it because you have all of the things that a helicopter can do. There's no reason to be doing that. And overflight brings mm-hmm. in a whole bunch of other regulations. I digress. I do get distracted, and I apologize. But no um, problem. This helicopter, this helicopter route chart. Um, I'm going back to that. And where they circled um, was over Glendale. And it was a little, uh, the runway center line goes uh, a little southeast, um, slightly southeast and slightly northwest. And uh, they had to stay outside of the, uh, the the airspace, the core airspace. Think of a wedding cake, how you have a tiered wedding cake. Now turn that upside mm-hmm. down. An essential The central part is centered over the airport in question, a Class C. It's going to have a multi-tier thing. It's going to have a core zone, and the core zone at the – I'm looking at the chart right now, the current uh, helicopter route chart, uh, Burbank, is Bob Hope Airport. And uh, Mm -hmm. let's see, the field altitude is 778 feet above sea level. It's only uh, 300 – a little bit more than 300 feet lower than where the the helicopter ended up, not not too far to the west of there. So we're we're talking about the San Fernando Valley is more or less. I'm not going to say flat, but it's kind of like that. There's obstructions, towers, and things like that. But to to the north, there's mountains. To the south, there's definitely mountains. And you can see on there mm-hmm. a big number if you have the chart pulled up. It's a large number three. 3,000, and then small number is 2. That's the minimum safe altitude. That's because the, well, uh, there's no other way of putting it. Right in that zone there, I see a a mountain that is the top of the mountain is uh, 4,000, correction, 2,469 feet, directly below that uh, large 3, small 2. And that um, that section is just, uh, the numbers I'm referring to are just a little bit Um, to the west of Van Nuys, right along the Ventura Freeway. Mm -hmm. And the helicopter flew, um, so he circled outside of um, um, Bob Hope Burbank, and then he went north and west, and then he went to the uh, west above Bob Hope. And that's a really fast helicopter, so it doesn't take long to burn through this area of approximately a five-mile radius. I don't have my... Mm -hmm. um, uh, my uh, little scale out with me to give you the exact miles. But it's not going to take long to go through there. 155 miles an hour is, you know, a mile a minute is, what, 60 miles an hour. So he's running very close to three times that. Um, he dashed across, then he dashed across the the Class D airspace, which is even smaller yet. And um, then he turned back down. He he requested permission to go down to the um, they asked him about, I think, the 119, 118, 119. He said, no, I mm-hmm. want Ventura Freeway, the 101. And he bent back down, requested, and they s- said, sure. And uh, he followed Ventura Freeway to the west. And um, the place where he ended up uh, uh, was flying along, and uh, they ended up, the, the road was uh, Lost, I'm probably mispronouncing this, Lost Virgin's Road. Um, which runs more or less north and south it 's a little little off of that, but everything is because of the hills
0: mm-hmm.
4: and the uh, the base elevation of the the freeway there there 's a helipad just to the south of uh the one o one that 's at eight hundred and eighty eight feet, and just on the other side mm-hmm. of the road there 's another there 's a fire station helipad that 's eight hundred and fifty feet so there 's only a thirty foot difference It might be a rooftop helipad it might be on the ground don 't know but the, um, the helicopter ended up so close to that, and it is, um, as I said, from where they were at a respectable altitude on a clear day, Thousand Oaks is – it's not far down the road. We're talking um, – Right. I don't have my scale again. I'm going to say five to six miles tops. The road isn't mm-hmm. perfectly straight. But um, very close to Thousand Oaks. Thousand Oaks itself I see is uh, 760 feet above sea level. It's actually a little lower. But just to the south of Thousand Oaks, you come into the play of the mountains again, and the highest uh, safe altitude is 3,500 because there's a 3,100 foot, 3,111 foot peak thrown in there before you end up going down to... Well, towards Malibu right the uh, the road that they they ended up very near lost virgin's road uh if you follow that south, that turns into Malibu Canyon Road, which goes right into Malibu, mm-hmm. and that's all hills right down to the ocean. Everybody's seen that, but it's uh it's a very interesting area, but when you throw weather in there, the weather can change out there so fast, so so fast um right if you have a little onshore breeze uh the humidity temperature and dew point come together a little onshore breeze you got the pacific ocean ois- pacific ocean moisture coming across cooler land maybe and there you go there's your fog and it also mm-hmm. works you know in the opposite direction too um but the this time of year that's what you would expect and uh I'm, I haven't flown out there in quite some time, but I go out there. I stay in this area four or five times a year just uh, south of the Sepulveda Pass. Um, uh, it's, uh, gosh, maybe 15 miles from here, and that's being really mm-hmm. pessimistic. But they didn't go through Santa Monica, which would be going up to 405 because of Sepulveda Pass, it's a large hill. It goes by the Getty Center. And it's a pretty significant hill. And there's also wires across there. And he couldn't do that. Right. He could go around the that long mountain section and go through Burbank because that's relatively flat. And, you know, that was the, the choice that they made.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And,
1: the, uh, um, you know, I'm, I, and unfortunately, as we found out, there's no black box.
0: So
4: there's no, no recorder no, they're, not required, they're not required to have them and uh, large, certain larger helicopters are um but this is not this is considered a medium twin engine helicopter i mm-hmm. think in a, a really high density configuration you can get up to 15 passengers for offshore um uh offshore it's at least 12 but probably closer to 15 in a high density usually two up front and then uh, multiple rows of seats and backs Two or three of them facing aft Five across the back And maybe a couple other uh, put in there Because it's basically a transportation device To high speed to the the oil rigs And then pick up an off Going crew or whatever And take them back to uh, Well where you're at down in, uh, in Louisiana PHI helicopters mm-hmm. um, Bristow helicopters Air logistics um, They may have been bought out Since I was in the game there But um, I uh, started my IFR training in Lafayette, Louisiana. Okay. That's at at PHI's helipad. It was just covered with (laughs) yellow and black
1: helicopters. (laughs) Yeah, I remember PHI. Um, Yeah, I remember PHI. I've worked with and had family that's worked offshore and family friends who worked offshore. So I'm, I'm familiar with them and. Um, you know, that's another – an attorney I worked with had to go out to a rig to talk to people, and when he came back, he said never, ever again because it was the worst weather the pilots had ever seen. And the case was a helicopter crash into the Gulf, Were they in so his brain was um, already in the wrong place.
4: Small single it, yeah, it was one of the small any context?
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. It was one of the small one that was just like you know pilot, co-pilot and three crew members in the back. Okay. Seat. In the uh, It was like a uh, um, helicopter. Do you remember
4: Magnum PI? <laughs> um that kind yeah, of that helicopter. An MD 500. <laughs> yeah, that was an MD 500. Uh he almost certainly was in if it was three in back and two up front, that would have been a Bell Jet Ranger. Um, The -hmm. helicopter I took Michael up in that I flew EMS was a Long Ranger that had Mm -hmm. uh, three across the back and two facing backwards and then two up front. And uh, they almost never would have a co-pilot in a configuration like that because they're not uh, flying instrument flights. For instrument flights, they're going to drop back and take a Sikorsky S-76 or an S-92 now, which packs, I think, Mm -hmm. 20 or more people in there. And they're they're really technologically advanced. They they take off IFR, they fly the flight IFR, there's an IFR approach to the um you know, to the rig. They do the approach, they refuel. Uh it's either a hot refuel or cold. Cold, shut it off, hot, mm-hmm. leave the engine running, refuel it, load the people up and turn around and go to wherever you're going. But um, All right. it's it's a it becomes normal. Most people look at it and go, oh, my God, this is happening so fast. But for for pilots, it's the normal thing. We, in EMS, we were expected to be off the ground in five minutes. In the middle of the mm-hmm. night, you've got your own bedroom, you're sleeping, sound asleep, the bat phone rings, it has a bell in it. And you're expected to go from the sound that, you got the weather, yep, got the weather, let's go. And everybody had their own position pushing the helicopter out, um, hooking up the battery cart. I do a walk around on the helicopter, get strapped in. People are untying the rotor blades, and everybody had their own job, clear. And if I needed extra fuel, great, do that, and off we go. And it sounds like a really short period of time, but you look at your weather in advance. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I related to Michael that, there was a uh, there was a period of time <laughs> this sounds like impossible, but we worked uh seven days on seven days off, so that would be um seven twelve hour days, seven days off seven twelve hour nights and our 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 day would start at either seven in the morning or seven in the evening and mm-hmm. um, so you'd do your you might not fly or you might fly five flights in a night and um, there was a period of time where I went six straight, you know, times that I was on, six days on, six days off, six nights on, six nights, you know, six off. I went six whole times without a flight between the weather. No, we don't have weather. Sorry, can't fly. Go back to sleep. It's it's an easy question. Can you do it or not? They don't tell you what the flight is. They don't tell you Mm -hmm. it's a three-year-old who got bit by a dog and, you know, to tempt you to maybe push it. They never pushed us to, there was no penalty for it. Well, you turned down a lot of flights, and that was incredible. If I went to Vegas and was rolling dice on that, that would be, no, you don't do it. Because the weather,
0: mm-hmm.
4: we weren't getting, we either weren't getting flight calls or the weather was against me. But the thing is, don't just say no. You either have the weather or not, and that that's how we did it. You have uh, certain company minimums and then personal minimums, which they may be lower than the company minimums, then you default to the company minimums. Your personal minimums might be higher than the company minimums, and that's perfectly acceptable. They're, they'll never fight you on that. Um, but, so that was nice, and everybody had a 51% vote in the helicopter, meaning uh, I flew with a flight nurse, and a paramedic, flight nurse behind me, a pilot sits on the right side, paramedic mm-hmm. on the left. If they don't like it, I'm not liking this. I'm calling the vote. You didn't question them. You don't say, it's only two more miles. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. You, you turn around right now and you go back to the barn, take it back home. And uh, there's times about, you know, they're asking me, you know, well, I trust you. Just, you know, take it down to your minimums. I said, if you... If you want me to fly to my minimums during a day flight, you should really be scared. The word starts with S less, and um, you don't want to do that. You're there for checks and balances, and you want to be – you should be scared if I was flying to my minimums because that's – if I know the area, I can run it down to what's comfortable, not stupid, but what I know, mm-hmm. and in. Um, this pilot that was flying this helicopter uh seven two uh, uh. x ray uh or echo x ray a uh, very sophisticated helicopter, much more so than the helicopter that we flew for e m s very different type of aircraft, different suitabilities, but each aircraft has its strengths and its weaknesses and um Working in a local area, for example, Uh, let's give an example, if I may, do an example that's somewhat similar to this, and I told Michael about it. He's familiar with a place in northwest Arkansas, just before you go over into the Oklahoma border. It's 25 Mm -hmm. miles away from where my hospital base was. If the weather is really down to company minimums, I have no problem doing that day or night because I can follow the road. There's nothing in the road. There's no towers, there's no wires, and as soon as I get to uh, this town, I'd land, pick up the patient, you know, we package the patient, go wherever they are, and take off, and come back, and that is perfectly legitimate. Few radio calls, I have to do special VFR to get into my home airport, not a problem, because it wasn't very busy, but if it was, you just have to wait, and if you call lifeguard helicopter which means you got somebody on board you don't do that unless you have a patient you know they usually give you special handling and if they and if they don't you say i really need this and usually any pilot that's inbound they'll automatically start circling they just out of courtesy do that that's rare that you would push that point but if those are got to get their situations and again Mm -hmm the helicopters have the unique capability we can always stop. We can always land. Land at Walmart. Land at McDonald's. When I we were hungry we'd do that. We've done that I don't know how many times. Been working <laughs> all day, I'm hungry. Let's get some food. And it's no big deal. You call the police and they'll meet us down there because they liked us to always do a public relations thing. Mm-hmm. Stop and have not to do a you know, a commercial for them, but you know, it can be any Kind of restaurant that we like. Stop and have something to eat. Michael knows one down in Little Rock that I met uh, him down there um, at at the an airport not far from where uh, he lives. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, you remember well, that. You you remember that place.
1: Now, in a oh, situation days. like this, this is where you know a. Uh, uh, a company leasing a helicopter to a VIP passenger—could mm-hmm. that have played some role? Do you think, or um, I mean, as I understand it, is, pilots are relatively assertive people, and uh,
0: yes, if there, they
1: don't think it's are, wise, they—they're will not shy about saying so.
4: It's typically a. Um, there's an old saying: there are old pilots and there are bold pilots, but there are. You know, no old, bold pilots. But don't be afraid of your job. Um, I uh, I don't want to make this about me, but I did recognize that early on, and I said that to the chief pilot at the school I was at. I wasn't even a rated pilot yet. I walked into him, and I said, you know, I can see me losing a job. Why? Because I know how to say no. I have no problem with it. I can walk away from a job. I have no problem mm-hmm. with it. Never, and um, this isn't to be disparaging about this pilot. I wasn't there, I didn't see what's going on. He's very familiar with the area. Um, the result, obviously, is beyond unfortunate. I, I I don't have words for it. I am the 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 tribute that you gave with all the information. I learned so much, and it was mm-hmm. it was it brought tears to my eyes. The amount of knowledge and research that you put into this. Um, and I, I know the, the sports uh, fans really, really have a great deal of knowledge about this. And I was simply amazed. I learned so much about that. But uh, as you say, the pilots Thanks. tend to be assertive, especially as they get more and more hours. And they have more and more respect. Um, there was conflicting, I don't know what the, the the right numbers were, but I originally made a comment to Michael, I won't repeat on air, about the experience level, and then I sent another link to him that multiplied that number by approximately four, the amount of hours your experience, rightly or wrongly, is measured in the amount of flight hours that you have. And um, it's not always means you have higher hours, you're a better pilot. It's you just have more hours. Um, Correct. And what kind of ex- what kind of experience? Is it? If this uh, this pilot is experienced in a very high traffic density area, the LA okay. basin is crazy. It's the proverbial flies circling stuff when something's going on. The police cars are down below. Then you got police helicopters below you, and you have eight or nine helicopters that are all talking to each other, and you're circling. Whatever, While I was out there, there was a suspicious package in a federal building. And
0: mm-hmm.
4: you got this helicopter, you got me, I'm at your 6 o'clock, can't see you, trust you, I'm going to keep on orbiting counterclockwise, this altitude. And the police are down below, so you, they've got their altitude, you leave them alone. And uh, everything is news. And uh, there is some unfortunate aspects of this, the way that, the, to me, this is a personal thing that I will express the way that this was initially reported, the outlet, I don't agree with that. Um, that was not right. Um, right. There's, there's some places where uh, they don't have a human dignity. They just want to get that story out there. to mm-hmm. say, Hey, we broke the story. Um, when I flew it in Baltimore, uh, we were on the scene of an accident there and, The cameras, (laughs) we have a really powerful camera, and then it has a two-power extender, so it's essentially 72 power. From a Mm 1,000 feet, you can read license plates. And we just showed up on scene. We're fixing to go live, and um, they said, pull out, you know, pull the camera out. And I had so much respect for that TV station then. They're not like, zoom in. Mm
0: -hmm. We can
4: this was a very very bad situation there and they were like no we don't want that we don't want the people to see hey that's my car alongside the road so that would mean oh my god no we don't do that
1: right and yeah. i was
4: prou- i was proud of that i really appreciated those news people for their um their fortitude in doing that other outlets wouldn't do that they'd want to get right in there and Mm. Um, like the and the initial reporting aid outlet here, the outlet that broke it was wrong
1: because they didn't have the right number of people. They didn't have right. who the people were. It, but
4: they, they um, put because it out I heard there to I it out one I saw one
1: story that it was Kobe Bryant and all of his kids.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They wanted they wanted and to that get it out there. To they be just the wanted first. to get it out there, is, there before they,
1: anybody. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> uh,
4: it, it's, um, it's like some, some people just want to regurgitate the, the news to be the first. There's no respect for mm-hmm. the family. Think of your family if something happened to someone and you learned about it um, on just a news scroll on the bottom of a, a screen. That would be horrible. It would truly be correct. horrible. Uh, I mean, I correct. Phone, I can't believe it. I've been getting. I mean,
2: Elena. I you this, but Elena, I think you knew this, but our situation that occurred a while ago. I don't know if you remember this, but we had a local news station that actually—that's uh, how I found out that that happened. Uh, was they reported it on Facebook, and I remember actually my sister uh, lit into them
4: was for it, saying,
2: "Hey, how can you he, report this?"
4: Was it the incident that um would be? My uncle, yeah. Yes. That's that's just not cool. Not cool. Yeah. He, he so definitely I agree with
2: him. He that.
4: deserved a lot better than that. And Oh
2: absolutely.
4: Just you've got personal first hand knowledge of how bad that hurts. That hurt can't go oh, yeah. away. You can't put the mm-hmm. genie back in the bottle. You can't unring the bell. And um, it's so easy to second guess. Um, and uh, when we initially talked about this, I I don't – you can ask me any question that you want. And I'm fine with that. But I'm not going to say this is the fault. This is point of finger, and this is exactly what mm-hmm. happened. Oh,
0: right. Right. We well, can form you your
4: own own opinions and uh helicopter pilots amongst ourselves will talk certain things that we I
0: we have a agree.
4: certain certain amount of knowledge. But it's not my place right. to do it. Let let the NTSB do their preliminary. Take about mm-hmm. probably close to two weeks. The final will take it. Almost certainly a year, maybe two years It's not unusual for that to happen um, mm-hmm. but I don't see that to be the case here But um, it's just it, it, It's a shame when people They want to be um, I'm going to use a term And I don't mean to be disrespectful at all But it is very common in the uh, ENG Electronic news gathering Which is uh, both helicopter and airplane uh if it bleeds, it leads
0: right and That's the
4: whole thing that's 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 Correct. the news cycle that's absolutely. the news cycle mm-hmm. and it's just i I hated to even say that but but you you know this to be the fact
0: um, oh absolutely just
4: just through your living, everybody's been around they know the news cycles, the american uh mind things don't last very long. it moves on to something else. There's always Absolutely. something else that's going on, but the, the tragedies still stay with the families. And mm-hmm. to to do something disrespectful, like oh they should have done this, then you know how is that going to make them feel? Well, why did they get on there? I've been on that before. Um, it's it, it's not right. It's it's really it's not right.
5: Absolutely.
1: And that's not you know our intent is not to try and lay blame or or, But we okay. want to understand what might yes. have happened, what mm-hmm. might have contributed, I totally, because we see
4: I totally like in the disasters,
1: way that doing this. it's a I cascade really like effect. One thing this. goes wrong. It is. Thank you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One thing goes wrong, mm-hmm. and then a cascade starts.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: You're saying and cascade. You see I use
4: the links of the chain. The links of the chain. The links of the chain. Spot. Yeah, circling outside of Glendale. Well, I have to circle because, mm-hmm. hmm, and they give the altitude, and uh, Glendale is 778 feet, and I'm circling at, I don't remember the altitude. I'd have to pull up that um, that feet again. Um, I won't belabor that point. But, you know, who's IFR conditions? IFR conditions, by the way, are less than 1,000 feet. The clouds are less than 1,000 feet above the ground and or Mm -hmm. less than three uh, miles visibility. So either one of those conditions. Um, If you have either one of those conditions, it's IMC, instrument meteorological conditions. Then different rules come into effect, but helicopters having the ability to essentially stop and just pause. That we can we can slow down. We it's no problem. Airplanes can only slow down so much, and then they can't. Um, Correct. That and right. uh, I look at this area. There's so many hel. There's so many helipads there. You you've got the Hollywood Bowl. It's not a helipad. There's nobody there. Uh, you've got um, Dodger Stadium, there's a helipad at Dodger Stadium, Hollywood Presbyterian,
0: mm-hmm.
4: uh, Griffith Park Observatory, uh, there's Glendale uh, Plaza Emergency Pad, and these are all really close. Um, you could maybe pause and take stock, but again, this isn't to say they should, but maybe, maybe.
1: Correct. But it was also thick fog, and that in and of itself can be disorienting.
4: Uh, yes. Uh, uh, earlier, uh, Michael and I had chatted, and I think you uh, had input that in on that too. The holding as he was circling, uh, the the pilot was, in my opinion, there was zero problem with that circling. He had he was low, he was perfectly mm-hmm. legal, he was outside of that airspace. Uh, where he was, he had to stay below 3,000 feet, and he was way below that. You know, mm-hmm. remember the w- inverted wed- wedding cake? And the interior is from 4,800 feet to the surface. So he's he's fine. He's legal. He's outside circling. they said, just wait. Special vehicle. You know, we'll give you a special when, you know, uh, we've got an aircraft doing a go-around, probably doing practice instrument approaches or maybe... They just missed the approach. That happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then there was another aircraft inbound, so they had to wait. And that is the rule. Either departing or incoming traffic has the right of way. If they're on an instrument flight plan, in instrument conditions, you can't go through there. And if when there's an appropriate gap in time, they're not going to say, do you want a special D They're going to say, conditions are instrument. Uh, we're in IMC. Or you know, it's instrument conditions, whatever the wording they use. Uh, state your intentions. That's like you know, we know what you want to do, but you have to ask for it because everything you say is, as you see here, recorded. Everything, and it's held. Right. Even if if there's no problem and nothing happens on most days, those are held for at least 30 days, maybe much longer. Uh, especially if there's somebody busted airspace, you know, they, they entered airspace without getting cleared, uh, you know, controlled airspace. But um, there's uh, there's so many different ways to look at this, and it, it would be really easy to to point fingers. And I, I'm I'm still looking at this helicopter route chart, and the, I kind of look at it as my home out there. Is <laughs> I can mm-hmm. see the intersection. And it's uh four hundred and seventy three feet above sea level <laughs> it's uh now, <laughs> it's, it's it's knowing amazing. what we know um, now
1: if you were the pilot, how would you have approached this flight under those weather conditions and given everything you know about the um, area and the terrain?
4: I can give you the uh my opinion on that and this is i'd have to make a supposition that i was uh current in that aircraft which i am not i've never flown it but let's say i was i was instrument current the aircraft was instrument certified and current the weather at the point of departure was vfr it was low vfr but it was vfr you ask your clients okay i might be able to get you there but I might not. What do you want to do? Get us as far as you can, or if they, you know, if you had a especially, and this is no way, shape, or form saying that this is what happened, but if they said you have to get us there, or it's your job, I'd just turn the engine off and call a cab. Sorry, I'm mm-hmm. um, I, I, I'm not going to do that. I can't promise you something because I'm not there, and, and I'm not trying to right. be obstinate or. Um You know, a really difficult to work with person, but I know the realities of situations uh You could have taken this flight and launched i f r and gone to Camarillo and taken a limo from Camarillo, which is I think approximately let me look at this chart here um, uh da, 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 oxnard is a little bit farther away. Uh Camarillo is it, it's God, it's maybe six miles. It's right along the one oh one Ventura Freeway. And you just have to go back east in a limo or what have you. And there's always limos at the airport, five miles. And it was right. it, it would be a simple flight from John Wayne, IFR, to Camarillo, and you can do that. Or you can do the special VFR and work your way through and say okay, I can do this, I can do this, I can't do that. Sorry, we land at Burbank, we land at um, uh, Van Nuys. Van Nuys. Ur- yeah, and, and it comes right. into experience. I'm rated, I'm familiar with, very familiar with the aircraft. I am certified to fly instruments. Uh, the aircraft is certified to fly, and I'm familiar with it. And the the conditions permit the operation that I want to perform, and I have great familiarity, the more familiar you are with the area, the, the more your limitations, uh, what some people are comfortable doing, I wouldn't be. And what I'm mm-hmm. comfortable doing, a lot of people would go, no way I would do that. Well, that's, that's the right decision for you. Don't do what I do just because I do it. And just because you do something, you know, I've been flying with people, and I'm like, stop. Stop. They'd say, oh, come on, you can see the flashing lights up there. You can see the ambulance. No. No. Right. We're going home. We're going to live to fight another day. That's a stupid saying, but that's mm-hmm. what we'd say.
1: Um, now, and that's something, too, that I learned that I, I didn't realize. To have flown IFR, he would have to fly from, from an airport equipped with IFR. To a place get equipped with IFR like a airport a hospital yep. a, a designated uh, well, he helipad
4: yeah a, a lot of some helipads have a IFR approach usually a GPS approach but I'm looking right now there's a VOR DME approach at Camarillo it's an east-west runway um taking mm-hmm. off out of John Wayne that's that's a big airport that's a destination airport um that's a lot of jet traffic out of there. You've got tons of instrument flights. Every jet that takes off out of there is on an instrument flight. Every jet that mm-hmm. takes off out of LAX is on an instrument flight plan. even on a beautiful day. It's instrument mm-hmm. flight because they're going to be yeah. off oh, a certain altitude. And there's, there's lots of different ways to, um, to accomplish a goal, and you have to decide which one is right. You have to be able to adapt. And, and make the choice. And I'm not. I I don't want to be. Um, I, I when we uh, chatted a little earlier via emails and messages, I don't want to point fingers. That's right. That,
0: uh, the the ultimate
4: not. causes will come out in the um uh, the preliminary. Will make it pretty clear. And then. Um, I've got uh, two dozen links um, Panels at the bottom of my thing here In case you ask me a question I could drill down and find this information <laughs> I hope my computer wouldn't crash um, But the helicopter route chart Overlaid with um, One of the news outlets Showed the actual thing Where it came back across uh, lots of Virginia's road um, I, I can see that right now And it's not even mm-hmm. a pinky's width Away Up from where it ended up. And that is, it's unfortunate. It's just very unfortunate. And the pilot knew the area very well. And um, we're left with the um, talking about the loss that the world has of somebody that so many looked up to. And not just Kobe. All of the other people in Mm -hmm. there, too, deserve the same respect there everybody are people. Some people are uh wealthier than others, some people are more well known. They're still people. hmm And in you know, a, way in a that... world where you can be anything, be kind. You know, just yeah. be kind and think of others. I agree. In
1: a way though, Kobe being on the on the helicopter yes. led to the world learning about Everyone, not just him. Yes.
4: And that uh, was our goal,
1: was to learn about everybody. uh,
4: The the JFK crash, uh, low-time airplane pilot, um, Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. that happened. I will be very, very surprised. Um, I mentioned to Michael, and I did send an email yesterday, the um, Helicopter Association International um, uh, Convention started, and it's in anaheim you'd land at john wayne airport Mm -hmm. and this happened on sunday and the people are landing getting there a day early to get to their hotels and this is the information that they get and it happened in a helicopter there's going to be regulation changes i'd be shocked if there wasn't some of them may be good some of them may be bad um depending on which way they go. You know, if it's a knee jerk, too much in the opposite direction, and it turns helicopters into airplanes, then mm-hmm. what's the point of a helicopter? It's a very expensive, um, unusable tool anymore for the unique capabilities. Um, but airplanes, uh, they're much faster, uh, and they're certainly more economical in a lot of cases, but you've got to have inappropriate airport and once you get to the airport now you've got to get to your destination. So think of going to uh going to Charlotte or uh you're you're down in mm-hmm. uh, Nolens going uh from Nolens up to uh Little Rock, going up to the Rock mm-hmm. and you're landing there. Uh, if you went by helicopter you can I've done that before. I've flown all of this area so much from Fort Myers, Florida to Austin flying right through your airspace uh, all through those areas and uh, mm-hmm. you've got unique capabilities. Uh, it's nice to have those. If they take those away, it kind of uh, it makes things obsolete. But if you have a group of people, um, suddenly the um, numbers start going up. And I might mention here a good resource. We don't have time to touch base on it. And please tell me to shut up when you need me to. (laughs)
0: Um,
4: But there's a thing called the NALL Report, N-A-L-L, November Alpha Lima Lima Report. And it's an aviation, general aviation report that comes out every year about accidents and the type of accidents. And it has to do with airplanes, Um, private, you know, if uh, Michael bought an airplane or... I was, uh, you know, my helicopters that I owned, Mm -hmm. whether I was using them commercially or I was just using them as somebody for uh, personal amazement, uh, general aviation. And then part 135, it broke it down into that's non-scheduled air carrier. Um, And you look at the category for this aircraft, mechanicals, zero, fatalities. It goes a long time, zero, because they're so reliable, they're so mm-hmm. technologically advanced and the The newer the helicopters get every year I renew my flight instructor's certificate, or not every year, every two years. Uh, I did this past summer um, when <clears throat> I renew it, I'm actually doing I'm getting my helicopter instructor certificate uh renewed. But it's going through a course that's mostly airplane and, and it's glass cockpits. It's essentially almost near airline technology and certainly, you know, twin turboprop type capabilities. I've never been in that, but I have to sort my way through it to get through the program. And mm-hmm. helicopters generally, until you get into something like this uh, accident helicopter, a large helicopter, they don't have glass displays a glass cockpit, think of like a computer display. Um, uh, I did notice that there was, uh, it popped into my mind that the, uh, it didn't have a black box, but it did have a, he did have an iPad. And in certain um, okay. situ- situations, they have those, and there will be a, um, they will be able to look through that. They'll have radar um Tracking the primary target, to be able to track that. The witnesses may be able to be of mm-hmm. some help, whether they're qualified witnesses or what have you. Uh, they, they'll, they'll, they'll sift through them and look for commonality of thought, commonality of words. What did you hear? What did you see? Did you take pictures? Um, did you take mm-hmm. pictures at the time of the – when did you hear – You know, it, I heard a boom. I went outside and took a picture. Those are the pictures we right? Play. you know, and a lot of people want to sell them, but if you have to do that, then do that, but give it to us, you know, give it to the authorities too, so they have access to it and they can create a mosaic to, to help put the, the scene together um, using the public, Correct. using all, as many eyes and outlets as possible.
0: They and, you know, and they today, have an open,
4: open request for that
1: today's Asia, and I, I think I read something earlier today that the NTSB had gotten uh, a very um, a lot of responses to that request
4: mm-hmm.
0: with
1: yeah. people forwarding there's a, uh, uh, information a, and
4: there, There's people in the local area that can respond to something like this from the NTSB and also the FAA um, has a thing called uh, FAST, F A A S T. Uh, It's like a quick response. The FAA isn't really the primary. They're involved in the um, investigation of something like this, but it's the National Transportation Safety Board that is ultimately the arbiter of exactly what went on. Um, Mm -hmm. I I received a, uh, when we were initially chatting before this uh, conversation on the email and such, about the, uh, uh, there was a topic I'll touch on. Liability of ATC, air traffic control, zero. They they really can't tell you no, because if you request it, you do it. Unless there's Mm -hmm. a presidential order like 9-11, and I know where I was on 9-11. I was the night duty pilot. I woke up when the second plane hit. Like you said earlier, you know when you are when these seminal events happen. (laughs) I woke up, everybody was talking, and I said, shut up, and pointed just before the second plane went in. They looked, followed my finger, and we know what happened. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't believe it. And then there was another one, the Pentagon, and after that, the, the other one that was heading um, mm-hmm. from Pennsylvania down towards the Capitol. But these things mm-hmm. are... The, the public response from these—they want all of the input that they can get to help create a um, a mosaic. I'll come back to that word, a mosaic. They're they're repainting this picture. All of the uh, evidence that they have out there, they're going to sequester it, and as much as possible, they're going to reassemble it. Obviously, it's um, the the data is conflicting but uh, it was a from all reports high velocity high rate of descent correct um and uh that's makes things uh, hard to recreate but there are things that they can look at continuity of controls um they can if uh, depending on the condition of the engines do do these parts of the engines turn by hand yeah Uh, There was a fire, uh, unfortunately. They had fuel. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
4: I mentioned to uh, Michael earlier, um, I showed him another video. I sent him just before the uh, – I think it was around 6 o'clock my time – another video that that showed up very early on uh, from this. And there was a white glow, and I mentioned what that white glow flame was. And it's, in my estimation, it was a particular metal I don't know that it was, but I know what that metal looks like when it—it's a metal that burns. And um, I sent him a video of what happens when you put water on that metal when it burns, and it doesn't do what you think would happen when you put water on it. It does exactly the opposite, and uh, it's—it's very distinctive. uh, I don't know that that aircraft had it in it, but maybe you might have. I recall
1: in one of the conference, the press conferences, I think it was the fire chief who's the LA County fire chief who said that there was, they were encountering magnesium. Yes. Which doesn't exactly react well was to water in. and air.
4: Now, and so that that was,
1: that was bright, a challenge bright, light initially.
4: Light. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, if you pour water on it, it makes an ex- explosive sort of situation where it it's really hard to get it going, but once it gets going, it's pretty good, it pretty much has to expend itself. But it's not – I don't know that the aircraft actually had it in it, but I didn't hear that they, they said they were encountering magnesium. So if they said it, they know more than me. They, if, there's a lot of people that know more than me, tons of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most what could of have it have been, batteries and, or um, – Probably not the uh, the the batteries okay. in that would have been almost almost certainly in the nose, and they're they're NiCad batteries. Um, they're used to start one engine. Once one engine is running, then the uh, if I'm correct, the uh, starter generator powers the other engine to start it. Starter it's like the starter in your car, and after it starts the engine, it turns from a starter into a generator to create power to power the electrical systems and recharge the batteries and, you know, go on its merry way. And um, there's so many components in this helicopter. Even though it was a 1991 model, um, this model was new the year I I was a rated pilot. Um, It was really sophisticated and uh, this this should serve as a notice uh, for, for young pilots or up-and-coming pilots, let's say lower-time pilots, why can't I get a job flying corporate? Well, think of your judgment flying a two-seat helicopter and what you're doing, and now you want to be thrown into something that has is, is quite literally got more computing power than um, an early uh, space shuttle. Your, your telephone has, uh, if you've got an iPhone or, you know, not the mm-hmm. advertised for them, but at the basic uh, smartphones, tremendous amount of power. Laptops. These are, moon missions didn't have this. What we have in our common laps. There's so much technology that's out there now, but you have to use it correctly. Don't make it a crutch, but right. use it wisely. Take advantage of all your I- resources. I
1: think they may use some magnesium alloy in uh, the helicopter airframes
4: because they're lightweight. Uh, It's it's quite, yeah, it's quite possible in the airframe. It would be in a high load area, and they want to keep the weight down. The the less weight that you have, magnesium is expensive, but you know how fast do you want to go? Speed costs money. If you make it lighter, Mm -hmm. you can carry more weight, or carry more fuel, or carry more cargo or carry more people and you can change that you know those values around as you wish.
1: Uh and I think some of the electronics read, also you, uh,
4: Yeah. yeah the, Sorry. the electronics there's um the radios and things like that there. Um I I didn't see a uh, updated I I saw the version of the helicopter when it was sold from uh the Illinois uh the state of Illinois used it uh originally. Uh, maybe not originally, but they were uh, an operator of that aircraft for quite some time, and then it was auctioned to Island Express. That is the information that I have. Um, again, I can't. I'm not going to say that's the gospel truth, but if you do the, if you type that number in November uh, 72 Echo X-ray, you can follow that right back. You can get the serial number, when it was built, what number of you know uh S76 Bravo it was uh the the date you can get out of it you'll have the amount of hours on it who owned it who leased it who purchased it maintenance it's been done all of those records are going to be sequestered um immediately the uh the um, the the company that owned the helicopter that that was shown as owner of record their website they took it down Because, obviously, people are going to be just inundating that to try and get information on various Mm -hmm. things. But there are, you know, they're going to be getting the mechanic. They're going to be sequestering the mechanic, the records. And uh, when they get the the preliminary, they're going to look through. And if if there's a mechanical involved, I can't say that there wasn't. I can't say anything. I wasn't there. And... I again, I have to stress, I don't fly this aircraft, but right. it's it's a hel- it's a helicopter, it's a twin-engine helicopter, and there there's a lot of similarities in there between a um, a Bell 412. I've flown that the the Augusta, uh, an Italian sleek, um, mostly executive, although sometimes it's used in EMS, but they're just not the good tool for that usually. Mm -hmm. They're so expensive to operate And they're they're used for their IFR capabilities Whereas what I used to fly was kind of like a stone axe (laughs) It always works, (laughs) very basic And it's meant for landing in muddy fields And lots of tail rotor Mm -hmm. clearance, uh, smaller rotor diameter Uh, Landing one of these in an open field not really a good idea. If the field is soggy at all, the wheels are going to sink in. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's meant for hard hard surfaces. So they're they're different purposes, but it's very fast. Uh, So there's, you know, that's one of the advantages of it. It's very fast. And the configuration can be, with more than a little trouble, it can be reconfigured. If it's sold, is it going to be executive? Is it going to be high density for offshore or... Whatever, uh, maybe in Alaska,
0: mm-hmm.
4: uh, they're going to be taking a lot of roughnecks out to a uh, a platform, either in the tundra or wherever. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. It. There's, there's so many variables with aircraft, but uh, it was a good aircraft. That that airframe has a very good re- very good reputation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah and in the model and,
0: and
4: yes,
1: it was a yeah. The model and everything models. are safe. Yeah. yeah, it
4: sounds old, but it's not really that old. I've flown helicopters that have nineteen, twenty thousand 20,000 hours on the airframe. That's like kind of elderly, um, but it's it's passing the checks. It's done, and, you know, I look at it, and will I fly it? If I say no, then I don't, but they're going to ask me why. I'm not the mechanic to do that, but why aren't you going to fly it? I have to have a pretty good reason. It's But again, if there's something you don't like, no. No, can't Uh do it. Sorry. Um, Things are so reliable mechanically now that um, it's very, very rare that there's mechanical upsets, and even something that's, oh God, going back 40 years, uh, Bell Jet Rangers. Uh, early jet rangers, long rangers, L1s, those go back into the 80s. I, I don't even remember how far. I think the one I flew was 1985, and uh, it had something like the one I normally flew is about, oh, I don't know. It got up to 9,000 hours, so it was relatively low time comparatively. But um, there, there's just the the sheer amount of there was a, a fairly high-density Amount of people in here. They were very well known people. Um, but this is going to, it is going to change things. There will be changes. It'll take, it might take a few years. But mm-hmm. I don't know what the changes would be, but I would be not surprised in the very least bit if there wasn't um, things that uh, came out of this that are um, good, bad, or flip a coin it depends on which way you look at it right from a from a lay person reading uh, some of these websites uh you know i'll never go in a helicopter if somebody asked me okay you know you're going to be in an aircraft and you are going to in the next week you're going to have an engine failure you get your choice of aircraft i know which one i'm going to point my finger at oh yeah i'll go with that one and uh it's a, some aircraft I'm very familiar with. It's very forgiving. And if you have to do something in um, a situation, you have to put it in a place that's less than uh, suboptimal. Yeah, I've told my boss before in an interview, uh, my uh, interview for the uh, EMS company I worked for, he sat down there and he's like, why should I hire you? And I did say, I know how to say no. You obviously know I can fly this helicopter. I'm qualified. I've been through school for this. Most of your pilots aren't. Um, I've got experience in this helicopter. I've got experience in the Los Angeles area. I've got experience in Florida. I went to the factory school in Texas for this, you know, Mm -hmm. make and model. And um, I I did say during the bottom line of this, when it comes right down to it, if I have to take this thing apart and essentially – turn it into shards so everybody can walk away without a broken bone, I have no hesitation. There's that's that's what'll happen. Um we're gonna you know, that that's the bottom line. When you get in the aircraft you're accepting a certain degree of risk. Uh do you have expectations of minimized risk but you're flying. And Right. The first, the first thing is don't hurt the people on the ground. Don't hurt the people in the aircraft. Don't do property damage. Don't damage the aircraft. And that's kind uh-huh. of the order flow of things. And uh, it's, I'm, I'm actually scratching my head right now just in, in. I, I don't have the words for it. The, the sorrow I feel for this, for the families right. involved, especially after the um, when you were reading the uh, um, all of the uh, the background information and you were filling in their their life stories and their contributions, it was very very mm-hmm. moving.
1: Thank it you is, that. and it's
4: you're you're welcome. I it
1: the little girls are the ones who break my heart.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, because what they might have been um mm-hmm. but the the parents i mean these are parents who love their children, supported yes. their children, and um and it's, it is it's sad
4: well, it's 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 very sad that it, these Accidents similar to this have happened before. Um, I've flown in San Francisco uh, from Concord out to the Golden Gate Bridge and flew around it. I mentioned I went to a school in Torrance after the uh-huh. earthquake. And there, I went uh-huh. from there to San Francisco to see if an old friend up there and rented a helicopter in Concord, which is a little ways away from the Golden Gate. Flew out there and along the way There's something that stuck in my mind There's a record producer Bill Graham He Was Mm -hmm. in what uh, You may recall um, That situation or may not Um, I I Flew by exactly where that happened I knew where that happened Before I got there And Mm -hmm. on the way back I looked at that And you, you know these things Um when I was uh, working before I uh, met Michael, I used to um, worked for uh, a defense contractor building nuclear submarines, and Stevie Ray Vaughan um, passed away. Um, mm-hmm. It was a helicopter at a, departing a ski area where a concert was, and it mm-hmm. passed away and it was, it was so it was surrealistic so that one of my coworkers was like, "This is your fault. He you died because of you." Wow. I'm a pilot. I'm a pilot. How do you, how do you arrive at that conclusion? Your, your logic is, uh, what do you say to something like that? But that's what a lot of people are thinking. Why do helicopters, why are they even allowed to fly? Um, it's, it can be carried to, you know, ad absurdum. Um, the the level of um logic that some people have. And um it's not write down or to to be to say their opinions aren't valid but oh it's just it's so unusual. It's well, realistic.
2: Well and Elena you made a good point. You said you know these type of the same types of accidents happen a lot. And that's the thing, you know, and we kinda hit on it a second ago. The sad reality is, you were right. I believe it was you who made this point. We probably wouldn't have heard about this if it wasn't for Kobe being on board. But you know, it it, it it's something that it, it, it it's something that happens regularly. But you know, yeah. like you like you made the point a couple times tonight. It. it we don't want to dump on the pilot. We don't want to, you know, cast no. blame or any of that by any stretch of the imagination. I, was, because,
4: I wanted to be I mean, very clear that about that because his, that's just disrespectful. That gentleman
2: yeah. lost his mm-hmm. life too. You know, at the end of the day, that gentleman lost his life too. It, 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 when,
4: it, it's when just you, an unfortunate... Between system. the time that you met, uh, Michael, between the time that we met where you're living now... You know, the, there's a town not too far away. I won't mention mm-hmm. it because I don't want to mention that company. Uh, I don't speak right. to them. I don't work for them. But um, what happened there? Um, did Lisa, have, did you ever hear about a helicopter accident in Arkansas that uh, took three lives in weather, um, in mountainous terrain?
1: Probably no, not. I don't recall I don't recall hearing about that I do remember yeah. a um, I think it was Southern Airlines Crash in Georgia That was because of weather
4: There's, there's lots in of weather related In the 70s um, that's,
1: I mean that, was Weather down. is a Weather is Weather is a factor Mother Nature is um, You know she's unforgiving Sometimes
2: Undefeated. And weather for sure. can
4: also. It does. It doesn't have to be fog, too. It can be flying in um, where we uh, were in Arkansas uh, over the forest on a moonless mm-hmm. night. Maybe if you throw clouds in or not, you might see some lights in the distance. A few cabins here or there. You have stars and it's black. It's a black hole. Mm-hmm. That is really close to IFR. Because you have mm-hmm. no reference to the ground, correct. Oh, if you can, if you have and you moon, become disoriented. You sometimes you can see pretty good. Well, you have your instruments, and you always have to trust your instruments; they don't mm-hmm. lie. And you have to immediately go from. If in, in that situation, then it was a. It was the aircraft. I think I mentioned was equipped for basic instrument flight, but our company policy was. If you punch into the clouds, climb, grab a handful of power, slow down, get your max rate of climb, get altitude, be way above the highest obstacle in the area, like I pointed out on these helicopter route charts. If it's 3,200 feet, I want to be at 5,000 feet, so I've got good radio Mm -hmm. range, climb, call, confess. Uh, VFR flight in instrument meteorological conditions Vectors to the nearest VFR Or a PAR approach Where they're precision-assisted radar approach They're basically talking you down Yeah, come about five degrees to your right And mm-hmm. you give me about a 200 feet per minute rate of descent And depending on your fuel They'll take you to an appropriate airport If it's got clear conditions Or if not, you'll have to work with what you got Um, well and
2: Elena I think I think you mentioned the you know you mentioned weather you mentioned the amount of helicopters that go down and the amount of aircraft period that go down and you know I I was listening like I said I've been watching the uh interviews back that they've done on ESPN and things about Kobe and one of the basketball players and the one especially because I've seen so many interviews with him recently but his name escapes me but uh He said one thing that really struck true. He said, you know, when I was younger my grandmother used to tell me there's one appointment that you can't you can't affect the time of. You can't you can't reschedule that appointment or that date as, you know, some people call it. And you know, he said he went on to say, you know, people said, Why didn't Kobe just drive? It's not that far. I mean Kobe took a helicopter and specifically this helicopter he said to every home game to every practice yes. to everything. and this was a mm-hmm. pilot
4: that, that had flown him for a long time they've had interaction and we don't know the situation in the cockpit but if he's using mm-hmm. the same pilot they almost certainly have an amicable relationship where they talk and
0: absolutely
4: you know the pilot is going to be professional it's not necessarily a you know, high-fiving and, and hugging and things like that. It, it, it might be really friendly. It might be strictly professional. But the, the bottom line is, uh, is pilot-in-command means just those words. Um, you are the ultimate arbiter of what is going on in that flight. And uh, there, there's nobody in the country that is more important than you on that flight. Nobody can tell you mm-hmm. what to do. That is, you are the sole responsible person flying that aircraft. And barring, uh, you've done something incredibly silly, like uh, people that have stolen aircraft, they were capable enough to get it started and take off and uh, do things with it. That happened recently. uh, Those are rare events. But um, I digress. Again, I'm getting distracted and pulling away from this. But there is commonality to these things, some of these um, approaches. um, uh, Michael may remember after I I had my own business, too, and I started looking for another EMS job. I was offered jobs in two places. Tell me about this one. Well, uh, you'll be replacing a pilot. You'll be flying a – this was a large twin-engine helicopter. Uh, You might remember that show Airwolf. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a Bell 222. It was an uh, older technology. Still, I'm probably not so much in use now, but they're they're still out there. And it was to fly one of those. Why? Well, the last pilot, and you can trail that sentence and south. Another one was in Carolina. Uh, the Carolinas. Same thing. Uh, offered the job. You're going to have to move from where you're at or commute, which is like, oh, God, I don't want to do that again. I used to commute from... Punta Florida, to uh, where I flew EMS, 1,275 miles, one way to work. <laughs> That's mm. a long ways. Drive to work, stay there for a week, and come back to Florida for a week. Um, you know, going to South Carolina, why is this job available? Um, you can let that sentence trail off. And there's a common thread uh, of those two jobs right there. They're the, the people that ultimately you know the, uh, the I'm not going to mention their names or the company but you could drill through the uh, with a slight bit of information if I gave it out which I won't on the interview uh, you could drill down and find the, all of the information that we have here, what happened what was the weather, the date the exact mm-hmm. location, what was involved, weather related um one of them was more, you know, it was really dark. Than, I mean, the, there was no moon, no celestial illumination. Maybe a, a high, high ceiling, but there's there's no outline, flat terrain, but there's there's stuff out there. Mm-hmm. And um, the number, um, the uh, if you look in that null report and you talk to you, helicopter pilots, um, the number one problem that they have is, hmm, how do I say that? It's almost like I don't want to say it, but I'm actually going to leave that one alone, uh, the number one cause. I'll let you look that up because that, okay. that, could be, that that right. that could seem like I'm pointing a finger. But you can look that up in that null report and um, the the causes for that. Anybody, no, no. these are all let's freely available documents. Let us turn let us
1: that in the um, – let's put it in uh, drivers on the road. Yes. Because Please. with phones uh, and technology, you see people yes. texting. You see people not paying any attention to the road or where they're going. So Lisa,
4: una grande esempio. Students, I I, I would set traps for them. It sounds horrible, but they started relying on technology. They'd bring their own GPS Mm -hmm. with them, and they they wouldn't take their charts, or they'd leave their charts under the seats. No, that's not how you learn how to fly. You can use Mm -hmm. things as an aid, but you can if you're relying on that. And I see that. One thing is for sure and you're going to learn it early, as I'm taking it away from you. Oops, your GPS fell out the window. Where are we? What airspace are we near? You're about ready to lose your license. That's going to kind of not be cool on your resume. Mm -hmm. Well, what do we do? There's a cornfield out there or, you know, a farm. You're going to have to land and get those charts out, fold them, have them to the correct location for the area that you're going to, and you can use aids. This is in basic aircraft, very, very basic aircraft. Um, like the first time Michael flew, but mm-hmm. you know you have to have that mindset going all the way through. Don't rely on technology. Things break, computers, uh, they crash. Uh, if you're relying mm-hmm. on that and you don't have redundant systems, you're in trouble. Um, Correct. The uh, I'm I'm old fashioned. I am older, and uh, I'm. I like the – they used to call them steam-powered gauges. People, their pilots, they'll roll their eyes at me, and, yeah, the new tech is better. It is. It gives you so much more information. But to have a redundant system of this is this stuff doesn't really break. Um, It works. And it's there. And a lot of uh, aircraft have the redundancies of the basics are required in there. If you have two glass panels and you have a – There's a theoretical power failure that takes both of them out or a lightning strike or whatever, which would be almost inconceivable because lightning isn't that big of a deal, amazingly. But uh, you lose those. Those are your instruments, and you have to trust those with your life. Mm -hmm. And uh, to not have the backup instruments, think of the... uh, um, uh, the the two airline uh, uh, mishaps that have caused a major air carrier, major air plane manufacturer based in the United States, their fleet is grounded, still grounded, mm-hmm. um, and will be for quite some time because of over very high level of automation and um, an older design aircraft that's continually upgraded. Rather than mm-hmm. starting with a clean sheet of paper and integrating all of these um, items, you keep improving and improving and improving, but you don't bring the pilots up to speed, or uh, you get conflicting input from uh, the um, the instruments and the flight controls. Uh, Correct. Modern modern airliners, there's no cables and wires. It all, it's all fly-by-wire. Um, the original ones that came out with those, there was a unfortunate um, demonstration flight they had on that, and they wanted to show off how great it was. But the computer was like, I'm sorry, we can't authorize that. You're asking for a low pass with a high pull-up at high power setting. Mm-hmm. That's uncool. And mm-hmm. it had a full video of that, and the, the computer was, it was very smart, but you know there's uh, some lines of code that wouldn't allow it to do what needed to be done in that situation and Correct. as they were they were they were showing maybe showing off a little but it it shows the level of automation got to the point of you're asking for something that it really should have been able to be done it wasn't outrageous to expect this but it was unusual but not outrageous but the mm-hmm. computers prevented it from being done, and the result from that was um, very unfortunate.
0: Right. Absolutely. And
1: now, Miss Miss Elena, I have I have dialed a rotary phone. Mm-hmm. I've navigated with a map book. Oh, i writing cursive. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait! Hold on! I do all of that. No way!
2: I've never dialed a rotary
1: phone. I have had a phone and a calculator.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have done that. My first computer was a pencil, a sharp pencil with an eraser oh. and a sharpener. I've got a picture of that. <laughs>
1: so, I and I understand, and you have to, when the, when you have to be able to recognize when the automation isn't right, isn't working properly, and how to get out of a situation that yes. is going bad. And when you yes. rely too much on the technology you have no clue.
4: The the default goes back to you you must trust the instruments. Mm-hmm. But if the if the technology is wrong to start with and we're we're really straying from what we originally started talking about. But I'll try and finish this thread a little bit. You get so far away the technology-wise, a simple little thing gives you a divergent reading and they respond, oh, this happens, you do this. And that's not the correct thing because it's the system is telling you one thing, but it's actually really simple. Uh, there was an airliner going across the Atlantic, uh, a very large airliner, and it took them a long time to guess what happened. And uh, mm-hmm. it was it was never recovered because it was so far over water, but they pieced it together, and it was a relatively simple thing. But the technology was like, no, this couldn't possibly be happening. So this is what you need to do, and it was exactly the wrong thing. Correct. Um, but, is so, that Air France? Uh, that, um, I don't know if that I, was the I watch a lot of May
1: Day and why planes crash.
4: Yeah, I think that uh, was a. Uh, it might have been a three eighty. Oh. It was a, a a jump a large a large aircraft, non American manufacturer.
1: Yeah, it was the Airbus.
4: And, uh, yes, they they used to be called Aérospatiale. Yeah. When I started flying, Aérospatiale helicopters, uh, A Star. I've flown them. I went to school for them. Then they changed their name to uh, American Eurocopter, and now they're Airbus. Uh, they're associated with, you know, mm. Airbus airplanes. Full disclosure: I fly on Airbus airplanes out the Beverly Hills a oh, mm. uh, lot. <laughs> just a whole right. Uh, and they
1: were it. It was uh, the pedo tube.
4: Yes, exactly.
1: Was iced like over.
4: You 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 nailed it right there.
1: Mm. I, it right I, there.
4: Watched,
1: I watched I watched Day and watched planes crash.
4: Multiple, mm-hmm. you you nailed it right there. And the pedo tube uh, in the helicopter, for example, my little helicopter, you're flying along. What if you hit a bee? It's just the perfect shot of a bee or a fly. The pedo tube is mm-hmm. the size of a piece of pencil lead, and that's what powers your airspeed indicator. Well, mm-hmm. okay, what else do you got? Look, I'm going over the ground. I'm obviously moving. The engine's running. I've got good rotor RPM, and You can tell by experience you're going faster than the speed that you need. So you just, it's not an emergency, it's an urgency. Find the nearest Mm -hmm. right place and land. Where we used to live, the helicopter Michael first flew in, there were flying Mm -hmm. spiders in Arkansas certain times of year, and they would fly through the air. One of those clogged my pitot tube system. I take off, Mm -hmm. no airspeed indicator. Okay, no big deal. Turn around, come back, do it, you know, land. I have to clean it out, get a little compressed air. Lesson learned. I have to make a cover for that. Never in my life have I had to make a cover for that, but you do there. And those pitot uh-huh. tubes on anything more advanced than a really basic helicopter, they're, they're made out of a silver-colored metal, and it'll say do not touch, do not step. The reason you do not touch is they're heated. If you touch them, your hand will melt they're heated right. so they won't ice over and if there's a uh, yeah if there's a problem with the uh the anti-icing system or the the computer that ah, you don't need no stinking icing system then that's you don't get it on a, a automated control
0: mm-hmm. so
4: i don't mean to sound, sound so glib on that um this is a very no. a somber event and it's it's trying to not lighten the situation or make light of but and and we have strayed away from the uh, the accident in California uh, right things, but it's but, an
1: example it's an example how one little simple yes problem the, the, sim-
4: the simplest
1: snowball of things and cascade yep.
4: and, and some of those things you can't fix right away but you have to use common sense the engines are running It says I have no airspeed. Well, what does your GPS say? What does your inertial navigation say? How far is the airport away from now? Okay, one minute from now. Get your calculator out. Do the math. Well, we're flying at 520 knots. It says nothing. So obviously, you take out a placard and you just cover up the airspeed indicator. It's non-reliable. And when you're uh, especially learning instrument procedures the um uh flight instructor, a uh, instrument instructor. I, I have read that um the uh pilot of this helicopter also had an uh, I could be wrong, but I read it somewhere uh today, he was an instrument instructor as well. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's like a flight instructor, you, you take things away, you get really reliant, you got a good scan going. Okay, you're getting this is too easy for you. Take this away. Take your um uh, vertical speed indicator, take your uh, a directional gyro. Okay, you lost your directional gyro. What do you have? You have your compass. You still have a way of doing that around basic, no GPS, just uh, going back to the thing of steam-powered gauges. basic instrument flying, a T-panel. And the the instruments are laid out in a normal, a person can get into an aircraft and have a familiar view mm-hmm. where the instruments should be all the time. Um, They might not be familiar with the exact aircraft, but you'll know the orientation. The modern glass cockpits, the information is really intense when you first start looking at it. There's so much there. It would be like uh, if you pulled up the sectional chart, and I said, tell me what this said. You go, oh, my God, I don't know. And, okay, first, are you flying an airplane or a helicopter? I'm flying a helicopter. Okay, none of this stuff right here matters because we're low to the ground. We're 1,000 feet off the ground. You know, that's a pretty common altitude. 1,000, 1,500 feet, depending on the terrain, um, that's pretty normal. Flying higher, maybe for noise abatement, but it's, not, it's really not typical unless you're, it's an instrument-type flight. Then you're on an instrument airway at a certain altitude. But uh, procedures are your friend and part of the training uh, that's drilled into you. Okay, you're really comfortable with this. You're doing really good. Let's make Mm -hmm. it harder. Let's take that away from you. How do you figure this out? And you have to logic this out while not giving up your other parts of the scan. And then they'll say, okay, this is really good. Or a VFR pilot during your uh, private pilot check ride. I'd never did it before until that uh, my check ride. He gave me the foggers. Uh, you called it the hood. We used foggers because uh-huh. they were really small and easy to carry. Okay, close your eyes and tilt your head back a little bit. Put these on and take your hands off of the control. And he maneuvered the helicopter in just like drunken maneuvers to try and disorient mm-hmm. you. And then, okay, three, two, one, put your hands out you've got the controls open your eyes use the instruments and you look at the instruments and you have to recover and it was Mm -hmm. to me it was like wow that was fun can we do it again and he's like (laughs) why And i was like it's it's problem solving it's great you know it's it makes me work harder it makes me think you have to solve this equation very fast
0: Mm -hmm. and
4: it it's that's the reason why I started flying helicopters, because you must fly them. Airplanes, right. uh, when I started flying them, I never dreamed of being an airline pilot. I flew helicopters the first time, and within 15 minutes, it was the um, – you've seen the comic strips with the thought bubble over the comic strip character's head with a light bulb in it. Mm-hmm. My eureka moment, I found my calling, not just a helicopter pilot, but an EMS helicopter pilot. Mm -hmm. You could drill into the psychological reasons of it. Um, I have uh, most of my friends at one time were doctors because, you know, EMS flying. And uh, one of them I talked to who was a uh, a psychiatrist, we're really close friends for a very long time. And I said, you know, I wonder if this had to do with um, the fact that uh, the first time I did CPR, I failed. I saw my father. And the second time was on a very good friend from high school the night before he got married, negative outcomes. I couldn't have fixed either one of them. But did that play into the equation of EMS? And he said, you have to ask the question. You probably answered your, your own, don't you think? And it never registered before. Maybe that was like a subconscious reason of why, voila, I found it. You know, Eureka. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it's people find uh, a calling. People do certain jobs that they find is a calling, and it's like you're not even working at all. You love it. The, right. I can equate that to, to Michael and wrestling. <laughs> Since I've known him, and I've known him for a long time, um, he's always been into wrestling. Always, always, mm-hmm. always, always, and. That's now what's he what is he doing? He's still staying with something he really enjoys, and I'm proud of that i'm just I'm happy that he's got something and he sticks with it and I'm sure it it doesn't seem like work at all right it's just it's very enjoyable for him and you you've got i'm sure things in your life that are like that I, this is the first we've spoke um mm-hmm. on this uh this cast tonight. And uh, it, it's really nice. Some of the things you said, you've got a lot of knowledge. A, a few little snippets paint that mosaic of your knowledge base and uh, programs mm-hmm. that you watch. You're much more knowledgeable than the average person about certain things, and especially they're related about what we're talking about now uh, in general mm-hmm. and in specific about this um um, this uh, unfortunate, this, this horribly unfortunate accident in California.
1: Well, I also have worked in civil uh, litigation for plaintiff and defendants for mm. many years. So I've learned about a lot of different things over the years. In car accidents, I worked in admiralty, I transcribed um, Coast Guard radio chatter after two vessels collided. So I've had a lot oh, wow. of experiences in that in that uh different things and learning a little bit about why why things happen, the way they happen. Yeah. Not there's... as a fault, but just what 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 can we do to keep it from happening to someone else?
4: There are Ultimately, there's going to be a um, uh, an, a finding. There's a preliminary, and then they'll mm-hmm. b- almost certainly have a final um, report on this. It'll have a number. Um, it'll be from the Los Angeles area. Uh, the, the 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 that particular part of the country is a, a large reporting area. It'll have a number. Right. And. Instructors in the future are going to take this, and they're going to hand this out Aircraft that i flew i'd uh, I'd students you know I'd give them homework. okay, this is not the kind of homework that you want, but I want you to read here's a whole book, and everything that ever happened in that uh Michael you know the helicopter that I had back then I've owned three of them mm-hmm. and uh everything that ever happened in those going back to when I started flying and a little before. I printed out the problems and the results, Mm -hmm. and I made students read them. Oh, this is this is not fun. No, it's not. But these are the cheapest lessons you are ever going to learn. I don't mean disrespect from this. I do not. Correct. But there's there's a reason behind this. Learn from what happened before you. This is. Don't let this happen to you. Um, Correct. uh, You you mentioned a couple of things about the Admiralty Law, and uh, I worked for a defense contractor building nuclear submarines. They had a really neat thing. They had these little orange cards. Unfortunately, we can't give them in aviation because speeds that you're moving and the regulations and such. But it was a card that they'd give out to people, and you'd keep it in your wallet. You'd have a few of them. I was never given any, but somebody had one. I was doing something on submarine, assembling it. I was a, a, a ship fitter, and uh, based on previous experience that I had at NASA and then before that, jobs that my brothers got me into, um, this person walked by me and set this orange card next to me and kept moving. I never saw their face. But he set this card, and it said, Stop. You're about to do something that is unsafe and may hurt yourself or others, fix, mm-hmm. think, fix the situation before you proceed. I, I still have that card. I kept it mm-hmm. because it meant it meant something. And at the time, I, I honestly can't tell you exactly what it was at the moment. But I created. I am happy to admit when I'm wrong. I have no problem with that. I don't have an ego. I don't have to be right. If I'm wrong. That's, please prove me wrong. That's that's mm-hmm. great. It means you're learning. You're open to learning. But that is, uh, that's a nice thing to have. Somebody looked out for me. They could have just said, yeah, she'll learn the hard way. But unfortunately, somebody else is, you know, if somebody else would have been involved,
0: mm-hmm. then that's,
4: right. that's the really bad part. If it's just me getting hurt, you know, they might not care or you'll learn a uh, you know a hard life lesson. But they took the time and put the card down there, didn't stop, didn't say anything, figure it out yourself, and, oh, duh, that was, obviamente, uh, you just saw it, corrected the situation, and moved forward. And mm-hmm. you don't take it as an insult. Somebody taught you a, a lesson for nothing.
1: Right,
4: right. Uh, you know, a valuable lesson mm-hmm. that doesn't just work in building nuclear missile submarines, it carries forth into everything. Everything that that I've done from going forward, Derek. So it's a way of thinking. Correct. Um, Correlation, the the highest level of learning of understanding. You can take Maslow's uh, law, one of the part of the uh, the first part of uh, becoming an instructor is the fundamentals of instructing. It's really basic psychological stuff. But if you didn't, take, you didn't go to college or anything, it's all new. It's really dry. But you learn about people. And if you actually take the time to read it, you learn about personality types and what makes people comfortable. they got to feel secure. They want to feel loved and working your way up the triangle. And it's applicable to everything. We're really Mm -hmm. getting esoteric here, but there's things that are related. It comes back to learning, and um, we all—so many millions of people—just beg, would be are begging, and still can't believe it that this, you know, happened, and so wish Mm -hmm. it didn't. And from going forward, what can be done? to improve the world from it
0: absolutely. I don't mean sound right. callous
4: from it I don't want to be callous but what can we learn and it's not just in aviation it's in other stuff think about what you're doing and personal responsibility think about what's going on as you mentioned when you're driving a car distracted driving
2: Mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely
1: uh,
4: yeah well and well, I,
2: well, Elena, I know we're I, uh, we're in overtime here, so uh, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this. I do really appreciate you coming on and uh, joining yeah. no, us here it's, tonight. It's no problem at all. Experience. It's a, a
4: pleasure, a great pleasure. Thank Absolutely. you so
1: much. Thank
4: you're, you're you so much. You're more than welcome.
2: You have a wonderful rest of your night, uh, and I will talk to you later.
1: Okay, take care.
0: One you those, as well. Thank you. Bye bye.
2: Bye. Wow, Lisa, that was that. Oh, wow, was, that you know, was that wasn't what we expected, but that was pretty. That was pretty insightful into you know the things that that you know could you know gave us a really good insight.
1: Mhm. It was. It was good insight, and you know I I. Deep in my heart, I think what we're going to find is that it's not one thing. It's going to be multiple things that Mm, led to – and, you know, we just – as much as we want instant information in these days, I think what we have to do is we have to be patient and we have to let the NTSB – do its job, complete its investigation.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the important thing. And
1: don't make any judgment. Don't,
2: you know, at, at this point, right. we should all be mourning anyway.
1: And if there's anyone out there in California listening, if you were near the area in Calabasas or Glendale, Burbank, Van Nuys, if you had any video, any photographs, any information, please contact the NTSB and give them the information you have. You may not think it's important. You may not know it's important, but it could be important to help them get the answers that they are looking for.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, one of the other things I want to say For all this, and I just saw another one, thank God it had been, you know, taken down by Facebook as a false, you know, as a false video. But Mm -hmm. if you do have video of it, and I'm going to be kind of harsh in my language, but don't be an asshole. Don't post it on fucking Facebook. Do the right thing.
1: Take, send it to the NTSB. Exactly. Immediately. immediately. And uh just and before I close out and I guess we better hurry because we have an indeterminate period of time after ten o'clock. Right. Um I I just wanna say um that our thoughts and prayers and I'm sure everyone out there uh is is thinking of uh JJ and Alexis Altabelli Vanessa, Natalia, Bianca, and Capri Bryant, Chris, Hayden, and Riley Chester, and Matt, Penny, Tom, and Ivy Mouser. Um, these are the children and spouses left behind in this tragedy, and our hearts are breaking with theirs. Absolutely. So, um, all right. Well, that was – is Cody still here? Thank you, Cody, for joining us. Uh, Thank you, Ms. Elena, for joining us. And are you ready to wrap it up, Michael?
2: Let's wrap her up.
1: All right. Thank you for listening to Clear and Convincing with Lisa O'Brien and Michael Carnahan. If you like our show and want to know more, You can find us on Facebook, go to our blog at clearingconvincingpodcast.wordpress.com, or follow me on Twitter at O'BrienL.A.N. Join us on Tuesday, February 4th, 2020, at 8 o'clock PM Central for episode 48 State of Florida versus Doris Donegan Moore. In April 2009, Abraham Shakespeare, a Florida lottery winner, disappeared from his home in Plant City, Florida. He was reported missing in November 2009, and his body was ultimately located buried behind a house purchased by Dee Moore and used as her office. Moore's scheme, which included texting friends and family posing as Shakespeare, was eventually undone when she paid a man to impersonate Shakespeare in a call to Shakespeare's mother, and then tried to find someone to take the fall for Shakespeare's murder. We'll talk about Abraham Shakespeare's disappearance, Moore's conversion of Shakespeare's assets, her 2010 arrest, her 2012 trial conviction and sentence, and then we'll talk about her direct appeal and state post-conviction claims. Until then, have a great week and stay safe. Good night.
0: May the road rise to meet you, may the wind be at your back, may the sun shine warm upon your face May the rain fall softly on your